Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7.01, your time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Kerry Davis, head coach of the Hazelwood Central Hawks and Super Bowl champ in for Michelle. Good to have you alongside. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Good morning, sir. How are uh, you? Everything's great. Matthew, uh, Rocky, and I had a great time yesterday. The Ascension Charity Classic Media Day took place, and we played with Jay Delsing, which helps when you're trying to win a tournament, having a PGA Pro on your team. And Mike that, that does help. Yeah. Did you all hit him straight? Did was it was it pretty good? Uh well, Jay helped out a lot. How was how was because I know you're very competitive. How was the anger if it didn't go straight? I because I know I don't know if people know that about so, you that how competitive you are. There's a little blackout. <laughs> so when I I hit some bad shots, I just yell at myself. Okay. Uh, but it's only a little burst of anger, and then it's and out it of goes my away. system. Okay. Yeah. You got to give Randy some credit though because. You, you, you'd think this would be a young man's game coming to bring your A game on the back nine, which okay. is what Randy did. Right. I mean, he, he started striping it off the tee on the back nine. I mean, that's from, from like 11th or 18, he was <laughs> dead center every time. I mean, he died. As soon as, he hadn't played in three weeks. First drive was good, and then took him a little bit, but the back nine, you dialed it in as soon as you got your stroke back in, man. So, uh, gentlemen, the moral to this story is that I need to play every day. Yes, exactly. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with it. I'm with that as well. Well, we were talking yesterday about, hey, the Cardinals on a seven-game winning streak, nine out of ten. Boy, did that come to a screeching halt last night in a 16-5 loss to the Rockies at Colorado. And that's one of those things over the course of 162 games. You just chalk that one up, Kerry, as one of those games is going to happen. Yeah. I, I compare it to football. You know, when we have a game like that, sometimes there is nothing to be gained from watching the tape. Right. We, we come into practice the next day. Well, fellas, we played so poorly. There is nothing that we can get. I mean, literally nothing to gain from watching that. We're going to throw this away and we're going to prepare for the next one. And I think that's what is happening today. They, they, mm-hmm. they took that loss. And it was a bad one. You look up, it's, oh, it's six, oh, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> 12. Oh, are we going to, uh, 12 zip? Okay, all right. I, I couldn't have been more wrong yesterday when I said, you know, we had a caller come on and said, I'm afraid they're going to bottom out and they're going to have a struggle. I said, we're going to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. But one of the things you have to take into consideration, as a guy who's played pro sports in Denver, and the Rockies are over 500. They're 31 and 27 at home now. Denver is maybe the best home field advantage in sports outside of the crowd. Just in terms of the atmosphere, yes. literally the atmosphere, yes. might be the best in in all of it sports. It is. It is extremely tough. I, I was telling you all earlier when I came, when I went to Denver, my first time playing the Broncos. I was gassed during warmups. I, it was hard for me to catch my breath. 
I thought it was a I thought it was a fake thing. I thought it was one of those mental things. You know, at, at I don't know if you know this, the University of Iowa has a pink locker room for the visitors. Yeah, it was weird. So it's a psychological <laughs> thing. Like, oh, you're thinking about it. they do that. To, they paint it pink for the. So I thought it was one of those things. Oh, it's just a mental thing. It's a uh-huh. mental block. And when I got halfway through warmups and couldn't catch my breath, I said, Oh, this is a real thing, and this is really going to be hard on me today. And it was last night for the Cardinals early on. C.J. Crone got things started against Miles Michaelis in the very first inning. This ball hammer. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Three long. First inning jack for C.J. Crone. So you got a 3-0 lead for the Rockies there. Randall Gritchick and Ryan McMahon, the homered later for the Rockies. They had a bunch of hits. Paul DeYoung with a garbage time homer for the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis, two and two-thirds, 10 runs, 14 hits. Uh, Tough outing. I mean, at the end of the day, these are the ones you uh, forget they even happen. Go to bed, wake up the next day, and uh, go back at it. But the reality is they were aggressive early. Um, I believe five hits on first pitch. Um, they squared some balls up. He missed middle a couple times, and then everything else they put in play, fun hole. So there's days those are at people. Um, today, everything they hit found grass somewhere. So tough day. Keep moving. Yesterday you said something about one play and clear. You, yeah. you were talking yep. about um, Frank Gantz. Uh, one play and clear it. It's over with. I think that's the mentality that, that Michaelis has to have. One one game and clear. All right, it's over. You can't think about it. It was a tough night. Um, you can blame the elements. You can blame the atmosphere. Uh, you know, being on the road and and all of those things. Whatever the case may be, it's a it's just an outing that you have to forget about and go forward and not even worry about. As crazy as that sounds, you know, you may have mm-hmm. some fans on the on ready to panic. Oh my God, what is going on? It's one time. Hopefully, let's not make a habit of it and, and go forward yeah. to the next one. And that was Ali Marmol. Here's Miles. Uh, you know, I don't like the the results there, but I got to go back and, and look at some footage. I thought, uh, how many hits did they end up getting? 14. 14? How many? You mean total or off? Totally. Off me. No, well, yeah, off me. I would say, like, four of them were pretty well hit, and I'd say the other ten were not. You know, you know, you know, tip your cowboy hat, you know, to them putting the ball in play, but... You know, a lot of weak contact, jam shots, you know, numbers find the way through. I mean, sometimes you just have to, you know, roll with the tumbleweeds and, you know, deal with your bad luck and get right back on that pony again. The funniest thing. How many hits were there? Uh, 22. Off you or in general? Like, <laughs> because there was a hell of a yeah, lot, yeah. lot of hits off of you specifically. But, but overall, there was a whole lot more hits. So It, it was kind of like being bitten to death by ducks. He's right. There was a lot of soft contact <laughs> yeah. there. Ten, I, I would be with him with Miles. 10 or 14, but you tip your cowboy hat, roll with the tumble, tumbleweeds, and just get and back just up on the going. pony. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beauty. And tonight, by the way, Jose Quintana will make his second Cardinals start. He'll be opposed by Kyle Freeland of the Rockies. That's the best that Colorado has to offer. And I'm telling you, Carrie, I, I, we, we won't know until the end of the season about how these trades are going to work out. But I'm always concerned about guys pitching in Denver. And if you look at what Quintana has done in Denver over the years, uh, has it, it's a, well, let's just say it, it's a tough place to play. His Coors Field history, uh, a 5.93 ERA. He's pitched five games there, two and two with a 5.93. Let me, what, what would you think, uh, who would you think has the best ERA 
opposing pitcher that comes into into that area and into that stadium and has that and has to play that team because as we spoke earlier when you're coming in as a visitor it's hard mm-hmm. when you're a a home pitcher but when you're coming in as a visitor it has to be that much harder on you just dealing with the the atmosphere like it, it, I know people will, will, will not believe how how difficult or how tough it is and that's not an excuse because both teams are playing in it but it, it is extremely difficult and and no, it's, it's a tough thing to, 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 to manage when you're out there. The one guy, you know who was perfect for Coors Field? And we joke about it, uh, about his abilities, but he was, he was a good pitcher. Brad Thompson. Really? Was because of the sinker uh-huh. and his ability to, he, he always kept it down in the yeah. zone anyway. Yeah. And then if he could get any movement, at least he's, he's missing some bats. Right. Or getting them to, to hit weak contact. I'll bet you that if Jordan Hicks got an opportunity It'd to keep be, the ball down, yeah. a hard thrower that keeps the ball down is going to have a lot of success there. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, other action uh, yesterday, the Rocky or the Brewers won their game five to three, and they were able to hold off Tampa Bay, so they're now within a game of the Cardinals. Football NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell finally came out of his bunker yesterday to explain why the league appealed arbitrator Sue Robinson's six-game suspension of Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Why? We we seen the evidence. She was very clear about the evidence. Uh, she reinforced the evidence. Uh, that there was uh, multiple violations here, and they were egregious, and it was predatory behavior. That's, those are things that we felt, um, we always felt were really important for us to address in a way that's responsible. All right, so you have an independent arbitrator hired by the league and the PA that serves as the person who arbitrates this case. She does have all the evidence and finds what she deems to be a reasonable punishment for Deshaun Watson. But in swoops Roger Goodell with still unmitigated power, mm-hmm. and he wants to change things and give Watson a year. What do you think? So when he's saying she, he's talking about Sue L. Robinson? Yes. Okay, so I, I wanted to make sure that that was clear. He wasn't talking about a specific victim in that right. in that term. Um, I think that Roger Goodell and the NFL are going to do whatever they see fit. Um, you go through the, You have the collective bargaining agreement where – You have a judge who makes a ruling, but then you give them the autonomy to overrule it or oversee it again and appeal. And then if Goodell chooses to be the person to make the sentence, he so I don't know what the first process, what the first part of the process for it is for anyway. So he's hired the former attorney general for New Jersey to hear the appeal. And this is final. What what that guy does. He has the choice, though, if he wants to be the person to make the ruling or if he wants to hire someone. Uh, or, or bring someone in. Mm-hmm. Either way, it, it feels to me as though it's still going to be his decision. Obviously, you have a, a, another judge who is going to aid in such decision, but but when you give the person that is going to make the decision or who can make the decision the power to hire someone else, which way are they going to lean? And that would be my only issue with it. Do I think Deshaun Watson deserves uh, an entire season? After seeing and reading and, and hearing about all of those things, it's a little, it's a little different for me. Twenty five different women. It's, it's, it's a little weird. If we're mm-hmm. going to be honest, I, I, I played in the NFL. I didn't. I played for six seasons, and I may have had four massage therapists, one in Pittsburgh, one here. If you go out of town, just something like that. To have twenty five in a year and then some changes, a little, a little well, creepy. And it was. 66 in 17 months, yes. but only 25. The That's even charges. stranger, Randy. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I, and not to, yeah. I don't know the man, 
but just the 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 behavior is not of anything that I've seen from a f- professional football player, especially an elite quarterback. When you are an elite quarterback, you want to find the one person and stick with that person because the sole purpose of the massage is actually the massage. Yeah, so, so, to be able to perform <laughs> at your best as an athlete. Exactly. So I, I just think it's a little strange. Um, you know, it's unfortunate for the young women that, that had to go through all that. I, I, I was not in the room with them, so I don't know it's he say, she say, but I will say it's a little strange. And one other legal note, a federal judge in Memphis denied the temporary restraining order that three former PGA golfers who were hoping to participate in the FedEx Cup playoffs uh, filed after leaving the PGA Tour for Live Golf. Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, and Hudson Swafford were seeking to play in the first leg of the playoffs this weekend in Memphis, but the judge also didn't give the Live Golfers who want to get back on the PGA Tour much hope for their antitrust suit. Uh, She said, the evidence shows that it seems almost without a doubt that they will be earning more than they have made and could reasonably have expected to make in a reasonable amount of time under the PGA Tour. They're trying to make the claim that the PGA Tour is engaging in anti-competitive practices. When you're being paid more than the PGA Tour is paying you, and we know that you have a budget of $2 billion, it's hard to argue that the Live Tour isn't able to compete with the PGA Tour. Well, it's hard to argue that we're we're missing out on extra money or we're not being paid or compensated fairly when you're actually being compensated more than you <laughs> may have ever made or yeah. would have made on the PGA Tour because either you were not good enough and you decided hey i know who i am Mm -hmm. i know that this tour is going to pay me guaranteed money and i'm going to go over there and play with those guys and if i can sneak my way or slide my way back into the to the competitive guys or the well-known league let me try to do that and i think good for this judge good for her for sticking her putting her foot down and saying you know what you guys have made more money or will make more money than you have made in your entire pga pga career Stay over there. You made a decision based on money. Yeah. Based on the money that you knew you were going to be paid. Stay there and don't try to come. Don't try to file any lawsuit because you are you are completely wrong in this situation. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and this is Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle off this week. Coming up, it is Wednesday, and we're still going to have Ask Uncle Randy. If you have plans coming up for the weekend, if you've got questions about sports or non-sports things, that's what I'm here for. I've, I've got a little sage advice for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. All right, we welcome your tech 65780 if you have a question for Uncle Randy. That's what I'm here for, kids. Want to help you out. Here we are late in the summer. If you've got a question about uh, family issues, maybe you're heading out on vacation and you want to 
maybe spend some time away from the in-laws. You need an idea for that. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. And Matthew has your questions. And Carrie Davis is going to uh, join in in helping provide you some serious advice. Here we go. Dear Uncle Randy, I'm a senior HR director and I'm being offered a promotion to the corporate leadership team. The poor work-life balance is not worth the extra money to me. How do I politely decline the offer? I think you just answered it right there. What you need to say is, hey, I really appreciate the offer, but you know what that job that you're offering me entails. And I'm so appreciative, but I love the job I have because it provides me the correct work-life balance that I want, and that senior leadership position would not. You know, quality of life is extremely important, and sometimes money does not outweigh, you know, your opportunities to relax or be with mm-hmm. your family or, like you said, work-life balance, because there is a, a fine line between overworking and, and not spending enough time with your kids or vice versa. So if you are in a, in a sweet spot, and you enjoy or you appreciate the spot, even though there may be a little bit more money in the other position, you have to kindly decline and say, you know what, I appreciate it. Thank you. Take Uncle Randy's advice. He's he's great at these things. And and by the way, (laughs) maybe the first thing to do is go in and say, look, I'm very happy with what I have right now with my work-life balance. I would love to help you out on the senior leadership team. Can you guarantee me that I'm still going to have that proper work-life balance and be able to do the job effectively but have time for my family? Quality of life, man. If you don't have it, you will. You will sorely. You will. When you need it most, you will know. Yeah, <laughs> so no doubt make about sure it. You take you, care of yourself. Yeah, you can't buy time with money. <laughs> this is a perfect one, Randy. Uncle Randy, my wife and I are leaving for Panama City Beach tomorrow, and we'll be down there for eight days. Great Sonic plan, down there. I, I plan on taking my clubs, but I'm hearing a little pushback about not golfing. Just a really randomly good like chain restaurant version. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really okay. Sorry, I, I, I wanted to push past it. I just, okay. I literally could. Uh, I wasn't going to be able to keep reading it. But I'm hearing a little pushback about not golfing during the trip. Even though we never do anything in the mornings to where I can get out early and be back in time to make it to the beach, what are your thoughts on this proposition? By the way, we've been married for over 30 years, and she knows how much I love golf. Then I would suggest, hey, why don't you just relax, take a bath, while I go out and play golf at 6 in the morning, and I'll be back by 9, 30, 10, and we'll be able to head out to the beach. I, I don't think that, th- that that's an unreasonable request at all, especially with the fact that, like you said, you've been married for more than 30 years, and she knows how much you like it. I don't think that that's an unreasonable request at all. And then, then if she pushes back hard against it, just take the L. Take, I'm telling you, there's, <laughs> yep, especially when you're headed out on vacation, it's not worth it to fight. So you give up the three and a half hours of golf. Then when you get home, you can play golf all the time, but don't do it on vacation. Don't, don't that is some start, very solid advice. Yeah, thank you. Don't start a fight before a vacation. <laughs> That's solid. So many years ago, my sister is, uh, she runs a gift shop over at uh, Missouri Baptist, and she had me do an event for her, a big doctor's event. And it's at the chase, and I go out into the the little vestibule area outside the ballroom where they've got the silent auction set up. And both sides, up and down the halls, they've got all of these silent auction condo stays in Florida. Nobody's bidding on them. And I said, well, you know what? I'll get things started. I'll bid on this condo in Panama City Beach. 
and I bid a, a th- I think the minimum bid was $1,000, so I bid $1,000 on it. And I come back and I tell my sister, you know, I just started the bidding on one of these condos because nobody's bidding on this mm-hmm. stuff. And she said, Randy, you know why nobody's bidding on it, right? I said, well, why? And she said, this is a bunch of doctors. They all have condos in Florida. <laughs> so, no need. So I, I got home and I said, well, we just we bought a vacation. There you go. <laughs> and how was the reaction? Uh, surprise. Oh, there you go. And then uh, Rammer had to do a TV game. So this kind of ruined it, too. So we're down there for four days. Rammer had to do a Billikens TV game. So they enlisted me to do the radio game, oh. the radio broadcast <laughs> in, uh, in Birmingham. So, yeah, basically, I flew out for the vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I like that. Dear Uncle Randy, I had an interview with a job I really wanted, but the boss is still a Rams fan, and he has memorabilia hanging all over his office. Should I decline? No, just deal with it. Yes, you've just got, deal with it. You've got some people that are messed up in this world, all right? <laughs> and sometimes you got to deal with them. You do. You, right? you, you have to be a professional in this yeah. life, and, and sometimes you're going to work with people, or, or uh-huh. sometimes they're going to be in your family, Randy, that you may or may not right. want to deal with on a, on a regular basis, but you have to. Yep. You love them, you appreciate them, and you respect them, and you handle your business. And if you get the job, and you get to know each other, and like the boss a little bit, then you come in on Monday and just display all the glee in the world <laughs> after a Rams loss. Because it's not going to get any better for them than it was last year. That was that, as good as it gets. That was as good. That was the, the, when you the, don't have an, when you F those number ones, yeah. eventually it's going to catch up to you. I don't know if it's this year, though, Randy. That, that well, number 99 yeah. is a grown he's man. Pretty good. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's pretty good. Two Hall of Famers in the defense. Some pretty, pretty solid offensive yeah. players. Somebody's got to figure out how to cover number 10. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he, he is special. Yeah, he's he's good. Dear Uncle Randy, I have a phone interview later this morning. What's the best advice you can give to me to make sure it all goes well on my end? Landline. If you you don't have a landline. you have very solid advice. I'm going to lean on you more for this solid advice. Thank you, yeah. That is the best thing I've heard. So I can walk (laughs) into my living room, and my cell phone has a tendency to drop out. Even, and totally in my basement. Mm -hmm. So if you have a landline, if you want things to go well on the phone, yeah, use that landline because the quality is going to be better than your cell phone anyway. So if if you have a landline, put it to use. Otherwise, I would suggest doing it like from your car Mm. where you're going to have the best cell service available and it's going to be quiet. There you go. That's a really, I mean, that, make that sure, is fantastic Making sure it's quiet is extremely important yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah they, they, I have the exact same thing in my apartment where there's like mm-hmm. two dead zones in my apartment. And so I've been on the phone with like people that I need to be on the phone with. Mm-hmm. And I and I pace when I talk and I've hit the dead zone before. And I'm like, yep. this is exactly what I do not <laughs> need to happen right now. This is going to be horrible. It scares the crap out of me. And by the way, if you have, like most cars built in the last 10, 15 years have, if you have Bluetooth, just sit, chill air conditioning on in the car and you don't have to hold it to your your ear it's great hey uncle randy how do you suggest a proper work to life balance we are both in our 20s and expecting our fourth child how much should we work to strengthen our future our kids are everything and i'm tired of missing their firsts she is a stay-at-home mom it's exceptionally difficult to achieve I'll, i'll start you off with this when you have four kids but again we have to go back to what what carrie said at the beginning is you have to 
set some boundaries yeah. for work because work is always going to want you to do more. If you're working at home now, you're working more <laughs> than you ever have because you aren't on the road. So you, right. but as an example, pre-pandemic, you might have been up at 7 o'clock, been out the door at 8 o'clock to mm. get to work at 8.30. Now you're up at 7 o'clock. You're on the computer. You're at the table at 7.30. Right. And it used to be you left work at 5, got home at 5.30, had dinner. Now you're working until 5.30. Right. So if you're working at home, you're working harder than you ever have. And companies have no qualms about paying you the same amount of money for that extra hour and a half or two hours a day. No qualms. So what you have to do is set some boundaries and do what you are hired to do. Because you're hired to work an eight-hour day. Set some boundaries so that you have the opportunity to be at those kids' firsts, whether it's the first dance practice or the first softball or baseball or football practice, you have to be able to, uh, the the key is to be able to say no to work. I will also say that Take it easy. Give yourself a little bit of a break because you you, there, you will miss some things. Don't be so hard on yourself so, because just sometimes your schedules don't don't mesh well. And, and if there are hopefully not the first, but if you miss the first time, they say mama because you're at work or if you miss first time, they say dad. It's OK. It's not the end of the world. They will you, will you they will say other words that you will be there and be present for. So give yourself a little bit of of, of, of you know a little bit of leniency and not not be too hard on yourself. Yeah. CD, I well first of all, John Kioski, Tommy Matter, my bosses. If you're listening, just change the station for ten seconds here. Okay. <laughs> just push that button. Go to one of your other four stations. Okay. So here we go. Starting in right now, ten. <laughs> Doing this is like being on vacation, right? I'm, I'm coming in. They're paying me to talk about sports. All right. But here's the thing. I didn't take much vacation during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought the Blues were going to win the Stanley Cup. I was planning on taking vacation in May. And I, me and Mike Ryder talked about it. He said, wait, wait till the Blues are done. Right. I have like six weeks of vacation that I have to take by the end of the year. <laughs> so a real vacation. Right. So I'm out next week and then I'm out a Labor Day week and I'm out later in October. And so I, I got to take a lot of vacation. So yeah, you, you like you say, it's for it's use it or lose yes. it. Yes. So use it because yes. it, it's there for you. It is. All right. Hey, thank you, Matthew. Uh, thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for all of your text, 65780. Our friend Adam Wainwright has a fishing trip this morning in Colorado. So Carrie and I recorded our interview with him yesterday. But as always, Wayno is great. Wednesdays with Wayno coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. Welcome back to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis is in for Michelle, and it is Wednesday. Time for Wednesdays with Wayno with Cardinal right-hander Adam Wainwright. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Doing great, guys. How are y'all? Everything's good. Hey, the new Cardinal yearbook is out, and it's dedicated to you. I know you did a lot of work with the Cardinal Magazine people for this yearbook. Have you had a chance, A, to see it yet? But, B, what was the process like having uh, uh, essentially a publication dedicated to you? <laughs> Honestly, I had no idea it was going to be like that. I, I mean, I 
they he said it was you know going to be dedicated to me, but I thought that meant there was going to be like an article in it or something. I didn't know it was going to be uh, as special as it was. Honestly, as uh, you know, I have read some of it. I haven't read all of it, but a um, couple of the letters from people that I haven't heard from in years and just had tremendous impact in my life. And then a letter from my from my daughters. That was a that was a special thing. So Sam McNeil and and his staff over there did an incredible job, and I'm very appreciative of it. Adam, I'm sure the letters were were ex- extremely important to you, but the letters from your daughters, I got two two girls, so I understand. I'm sure those those choked you up a little bit and and put you in a place that you may not want to share with the rest of your teammates, but it definitely definitely brought you to a certain place. Oh yeah, it definitely did. I mean, you know, the girls have a way of softening you <laughs> up and just wrapping you right around their little finger and and uh you know, they're getting a little bit older now. My I've one daughter in high school, almost two daughters in high school, one's in 8th grade and uh you know, they kind of act tough about dad sometimes now and, and uh, like act like they're embarrassed about me sometimes because I'm kind of a goof. <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, when they feel like it and they butter up, butter me up a little bit and kind of open up and, and come snuggle or just the biggest, you know, awesome hugs. I mean, girls just have a, I love my son, don't get me wrong, but the girls, <laughs> they have a way of, of you know, making me feel like, I, you know, sure, I'll get you a brand new car when you're 10 years old. You know, like, I mean, just, they just have that way about them. Well, embarrassing our daughters is definitely on the list of, of high, high on the list of things that I enjoy doing. So I, I definitely understand. Yeah, there was a, a couple of years ago, and I think my daughter actually wrote about this in the, in the game day magazine. A couple of years ago, we were watching a, a movie and in the movie, the dad got like a blowhorn out and just talked through it you know through the, the through the loudspeaker as they got out at school i'm like oh i gotta do that yes. <laughs> so, so my wife my wife got me one and as i dropped them off at school they were in front of all their friends i was like i love y'all have a great day at school this is your daddy oh you know, i, I think like, i may do that <laughs> oh yeah they were like get out of here dad get out of here <laughs> Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. Adam, what a great weekend it was for the Cardinals. And I want to start with Matt Carpenter because he had such a a great experience here with the the standing O's and then to suffer a broken foot. What a bummer for for Matt after what had to be one of the great weekends of his career. Oh, yeah, that was a special time for him. And and honestly, as teammates of him, it was a special time for us, too, because we love Matt. You know, he is such a a great friend to us and a great teammate over the years and uh just was such a great cardinal uh we you know we we don't we didn't want to see him have any success against us uh necessarily but we do love him uh going back out and proving that he's a great baseball player again and having success and and playing on the biggest stage in the world in new york there i mean it's uh we couldn't be more proud of him also i i, I talked to him last night i facetimed with him last night after his foot injury and uh Super, super bummed out, man. I mean, I'm just he. I'm more bummed than he was, honestly. He was. Uh, he had such a great attitude about it, and you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, and and God has got him right where he wants him. But you know, right when he was just taken off, and I'm glad he had that success before it happened, though, so that they know what they're what they're missing out on, and they can't wait to get him back. And hopefully, it's just four to six weeks he can get back for the postseason and help that great Yankee team. Hey Adam, having Yachty there coming back from from you know his stint on the on the on the IL and and having Albert there, do you all 
really talk about what this moment is for you all in, in your careers and, and the run you all have had and, and what are those conversations? Like I, I being a former player, I understand, you know, kind of what that goes through, but but can you talk to that talk to us about what that is for you all and, and how what that means to you all? Yeah, so we, we uh here's a kind of a cool moment. We were uh we were together on the bus the other day and um you know the biggest item that we get asked for this entire year is a ball signed by me and Yachty and Albert. Mm-hmm. That is everybody in St. Louis has asked for that. <laughs> um, and and we appreciate that, but it's just a it's a big ask, you know. There's uh it's just everywhere you go like, "Hey, can you get uh Thanks for signing up, but can you get Yachty and Albert to sign it too? Like everything, right? Uh, and we were sitting on the bus the other day, and, and I looked over at, at Albert, and I was like, you know, we need we need those balls signed for us. Like we need mm-hmm. to get a couple of boxes of balls signed for just us, like so that we can give it, you know, to the people that that is in our inner circle, you know, mm-hmm. that really that we've done life with for a long, long time. And 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 Yachty goes. Yeah, and I need enough balls for Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and that's a that's quite an endeavor. I know that you guys can sign fast. I remember when Mark McGuire, I think he hit 50 home runs for a third straight year, and he he did it in New York. He went back to his hotel room and signed a ball, Mark McGuire, uh 50-50-50 for every single player on the team. And obviously, just an incredible gesture, but it's not like it's something w- when you're signing a couple of balls that it takes two minutes. No, it's... A couple I mean, of dozen balls, you know, you I gotta, guess. Yeah, it's, it's, you got to sit down and, and take time. And and, uh, and those guys are, you know, I'm not any different, honestly, but uh, we just got, we got some busy lives. We got a lot of kids, all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a lot of kids, and Yachty's got, he owns basketball teams and Little League uh baseball teams and and academies and albert you know's get, got family all over the country and sons going and or growing and he's already in college and i mean it's just a lot going on in life in general but also baseball just catches up on you you know you got to take time to enjoy it but and that's what we're trying to do but you know you just have to be intentional about sitting down and, and signing those things and realizing in the moment that that is important stuff. Hey, Adam, I was talking to Goldie last week about how hard he works to stay in the moment. And I would think for a baseball player, especially one in your situation with two good friends that like Yachty and Albert that are going to be retiring after this season, you really have to make a concerted effort to to savor this, not just in the games where you have to be in the moment, but just your surroundings. You, you really do have to make an effort to savor it, right? You do. And I mean, one of the keys to baseball, like what Goldie was talking about, is staying in the moment, not not uh, not trying to chase good games or bad games, and you know, think too hard about stats and where you are in the season, and comparing yourself to the rest of the league, and just takes your focus off of where you are and, and getting the most out of where you are. But you know, for a couple of us older guys, we only have a few more moments, so staying in the moment. You know, it's almost like the last moment. You know, it could be the last moment. We don't know. I mean, Yachty and Albert have already announced. I have, honestly don't know what I'm doing yet. Um, but staying in the moment uh, while also taking the time to appreciate the moment uh, can be tough, can be tricky. Um, you know, when uh, when I started the Old Man Walks, it was for that reason. You know, it was, for, it was, it was my, the day that I had the least amount of stuff to do, and it was a, a time of me – appreciating my surroundings, appreciating 
the great game that I get to play for a living, appreciating the great facilities and venues that we play in, uh, appreciating all the people that, that put that, those, those, uh, those venues uh, into action. I mean, it's just the, it's a time of, of reflection and all that kind of stuff too. So uh, it was, it's an intentional time for me. And I know Yachty and Albert have, have really soaked in these big applauds and uh, ovations that they've been getting across baseball, the gifts that other teams have given them and the appreciation for their great work and on the field and, and off. Uh, it, it's been a great year for those guys and for me too. I had so much admiration for you on Sunday, speaking of being in the moment, because in the second inning you throw a first pitch strike right down the middle to Aaron Judge that's called a ball, and I was still mad about it two innings later, and you let it go right away. Well, well you, you have to. <laughs> you, have, you have to the, the best you can. you know. And here's what I know. I mean, I certainly thought that that he called a lot of pitches balls that I threw that were strikes that he called balls. I, I thought that happened, and it did. I mean, he missed some calls for sure. But then as the game wore on, you know, he probably called a lot of balls, strikes that were actually balls for other people. You know, part of me is going, how come I didn't get it in these balls <laughs> called strikes? You know? but, but here's what I know. That game was one of the top three hottest games mm-hmm. on the field that I've ever been a part of. Wow. Uh, I played this game for a long time, and the, the, the heat was stifling out there. There was no air. that uh, was just really, really hot. And I guarantee you that umpire with all that stuff on, you know, bending down and standing up the whole time, staying out there with no break, standing up the entire time, I guarantee you he was just trying to survive, just trying to stay upright, you know. And, and by the end of that game, it was probably so freaking hot and tired of doing uh, – <laughs> Anything he was doing in that game, he was so tired of it. I bet you, he, as soon as the ball was thrown straight, he he was like, just whatever, <laughs> whatever you think, you know. And and uh, and that's sometimes lost on on people with those umpires what they're going through. You know, you, people can go to the to the the tunnels and get refreshments and stay out of the heat or go to the bathroom, whatever. These umpires, they might get you know two or three visits to to the inside there for for 30 seconds for, and that was, you know, I'm embarrassed to say one of the longest games I've ever seen. Also, mm-hmm. um, that was a long game for him to stand out there in that, in that heat. I, I'm it's, it's not a hundred percent excuse, but it, it is, it is a pretty good excuse at the end of the day. Yeah. I was thinking that as well. You think about the catchers for both teams get to go in during the, the, the half inning and kind of take their equipment off and sit down and rest. You know, those umpires are out there the entire day. And, and then he took a shot to the face mask. That was, that was tough that Yachty had to hold him up with. Um, uh, it, it, it speaks, it speaks well to you understanding that as a competitor, understanding that it's hard for him just as it is for you. You want to win, uh, but you understand what he's going through as well. Um, and, and you speak about one of the, the hottest games you've ever played in. I've dealt with a lot of cold games being in Pittsburgh. Would you rather be in cold or rather be in hot? Well, that's a great question. Um, because there's certain things about each that are good and certain things about each that are bad. If it's really, 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 really cold, it's very hard to get a grip mm-hmm. uh, on the ball. It is really hard. You know, you can you can get you can try to recruit sweat off your forehead or you know back your neck or whatever. That's usually where I try to go, but it, there's just not much there. You know, you're not sweating a whole lot, honestly. Uh, uh, the other the other thing about the cold, um, if it's really 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 cold, the hitters do not want to hit. Mm-hmm. So that can be good. You know, you sting a hand 
in the first inning one time off the end or on the on the hands. He's he's going to be thinking about that for the rest of the, of the game, which can really help the pitcher out. So it's better for the pitcher uh, than it is for the hitter, I would say. But um, if it's so cold that you can't get a grip, that can be really tough. Now, flip side on the on the heat, uh, you want some heat so you can grab some moisture for your hand and have a good grip on the ball because these balls are 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 uh, are not the most tacky balls in the world. I'll tell you that they're a little slippery. Um, but if it gets like it was the other day, then your hand is soaking wet with sweat. You got to keep going to the rosin bag over and over again. You know, after an inning or two, the rosin bag's soaking wet, barely putting anything out. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of counterproductive almost to go to it. And then you try to like, well, I'll wipe it off of my pants, so your pants are covered in sweat and wet and gross, and it can be really tough, man. It, the elements, the elements are, are part part of what makes our game so great. It's just as professionals finding a way to get it done. But they also are what can make it really tough. It's Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. And Adam, you were talking about the heat, but you guys have access now to two different kinds of rosin bags. Can you explain to people that are listening and us what the two rosin bags are like and which you prefer? So one is uh, it's kind of like traditional powdery, um, chalky kind of, it'll dry up the sweat a little bit better. Um, it is uh, it's real fine in nature. Um, I don't use that unless it's just, you know, like it was the other day. I had to just try to figure out some way to keep the sweat off my hands. Um, the other one is is more kind of rocky feeling. Kind of feels like you you have uh, like not pebbles, but like a little bit bigger than that rocks inside the bag, and that is a little more tacky in nature, but doesn't doesn't dry up the sweat as much so um both have their both have their advantages uh i like the rocky one in a traditional setting when it's just manageable weather because it it gives you a little more grip on the ball just a a little more grip not it's not giving you a whole lot of grip but it gives you a little grip on the ball the other one is just to kind of to soak that sweat up a little bit and man we get hot out on the field you know and the other day especially july and august in st louis is one of the you know, it's really, really hot as people where we live know. Um, but out there on the field, it's even hotter. You know, it's on the playing surface, it's hotter than it is sitting in the dugout or in the stands even. Uh, and I just can't even imagine back in the 80s and, and what is it, early 90s when they had the turf out there. That's just a really bad idea. I can't believe they did that. That is just, uh, you know, I know it's hard for our ground screw to keep up with the grass with the heat like that. But playing on turf out there, it's got to be just, it had to have been just absolutely horrible. And then they had used to had to soak their cleats in, in ice trays so that they the spikes wouldn't shoot up through their <laughs> shoes. I mean, it, you know, it's hot, man. It gets hot. Adam, a couple of days ago in the fast lane, Anthony Stalter and Jamie Rivers were talking about the walk-up music, and they, they were kind of critical of Cardinals' walk-up songs. Do you still have anything to do? Do you still coach guys for their walk-up song? I try to, but you know that they, they look at me as like Grandpa Wayno now. Um, but but here's here's my advice to people who have walk up songs, especially here in the big leagues. You're gonna you know you're gonna be around for a while. Hopefully, you need a song that's kind of timeless that everybody knows that can sing along. You don't need to have bleaked out words in it. You know, there's lots of crowd kids in the crowd and families in the crowd. The song needs to be a a song that you know. Let's say. Let's say when people go up to get nachos, right? Mm-hmm. And then they hear, 
Well, I got me a girl in pecan. She's a good old girl. Okay. <laughs> you know who's coming up the bat. Yep. You know what I mean? You know who that is. Like, oh, carp's up. I got to go. <laughs> or if you hear chicken fried, you know Matt Holiday's up to bat. You got to run to here and watch him and watch him hit. You don't want to miss that at bat. Guys are changing their songs every half inning or whatever. I'm like, dude, get a song so that when people know, even like my song when I was coming up to bat, Song of the South. People started cheering as soon as that came on. They knew who that song was. You need a song. When Barry Bonds was up, he had a song. When Albert Pujols used to be up, he had a song. When when, when all these great hitters around the game were up that were just legends in the game, they had a song. And everybody could hear that song go, I know who that is. you know. And and uh, and, and some of the songs that guys are out there now, I'm like, dude, tell me what, what went into the thought process of picking that song. You know? Um, there's just not a whole lot of thinking in these youngsters sometimes, Randy. But um, but uh, that, that it is important. Right? Coming out to a good song, having a good signature, that's all part about being professional. Did you ever pitch against Todd Frazier when he had Fly Me to the Moon in Cincinnati <laughs> by Frank Sinatra? Absolutely. And you knew who was up when he came up <laughs> to you know, that. Adam, do you do you miss batting? Do you miss hitting? I mean, I, uh, not being able to, to, you know, the DH is universal now. Do you miss that aspect of the game? You were you were pretty good at it. I'll tell you, I feel like such a non-athlete now. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. And uh, the last couple years, I didn't hit as well as as I wanted to, which kind of hurt me a little bit. But um, I I I appreciate the aspect, the total athlete aspect of playing on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. uh pitch po that was a term that i just learned about two years ago I went to play with uh with our high school team uh practice before spring training started and i was like these guys have just been staying around coach what i mean do we need to get them running or something he's like oh those are po's i go what is a po he goes pitcher only mm. i go oh gross <laughs> 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 they they make those in high school. Goes, oh yeah, we got a we got a bunch of POs. Not, not so I I think some you know Michael Walker was a PO. I found that out. He got DH for in high school. I I couldn't be more embarrassed for the guy. Um, but you know the best feeling in the world to me was when I got the last out of the ninth inning with clay on my uniform from sliding and being a real athlete, being a part of the game. You know and. And, uh, and and the other day, games like the other day, that would have been real grindy. I mean, it would have been hot as fire. But you know what? The other guy would have had to do it too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I would have feel like I would have I would have had an edge because the other guy would not have wanted to be out there, and I still would have been trying to be a good quality hitter. So um, I miss I miss having an edge when I get out there, knowing that I'm a better hitter than the other guy. Uh, I, I've practiced harder at it. I want it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's he he. He may know I can hit a little bit, but he doesn't know how bad I want to get a hit right now for this team to help <laughs> us win. I miss that advantage. I feel like I had an advantage over almost anybody I faced in that regard. Um, but I do miss playing on both sides of the ball. I think it was just, you know, as now I'm out there, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just a pitcher, so whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, I just, yeah, it's not as cool. Hey, Adam, when you practice with the high school team, have you ever shown a teenager Uncle Charlie? Oh, yeah. They ask all the time, let me see your grip. Let me see your grip. Let me see your grip. That's the main thing I get from young people is, all right, let me see your curveball grip. You know, nobody wants to see my fastball grip, Randy. No offense <laughs> to myself. They all want to see my curveball grip, which is fine. You know, that's a good thing for me. 
That's great. Hey, uh, we know that you love golfing when you're on the road, but you're in a unique spot in Colorado. So a little fly fishing for the Cardinals this morning. Absolutely. Uh, we uh, we uh, have a spot up here just outside of Colorado, and, and uh, I can live in Colorado. I, re- I love being up here. I love the atmosphere. I love the, the thin air. I love being up in the mountains and, and the crispness of being up there around those trout fishing streams and and pulling a, a big old rainbow or a brown out of the water or you know big big trout that you didn't even know was there just came busting out of the thing nowhere from nowhere and then all you know you're fishing with flies you're fly casting and and uh, it's just like the truest form of fishing I feel like it's just a real sport you know um, of trying to to coax the the fish into believing that what you have is real and and, and you have to prepare it just right and you have to to, to make the perfect cast and you have you can't make you know can't let it slap the water too hard it's got to sit just right like a fly normally would and i just think there's so much beautiful things about that and and i love fish i love being on the outdoors and fishing anyways but uh, fly fishing up here in colorado is hard to beat all right we're getting ready for fantasy football people can go to bigleagueimpact.org and get ready for the draft on august 26th and Adam, we're so excited about being a part of it again this year. And this is the time. You have to be in preparation right now if you're going to succeed at fantasy football. Absolutely. And what I was doing right before I called you this morning uh, was starting to think about who's going to get you know, the top-tier wide receivers, who's going to get taken off, off the board at, at quarterback, and what kind of years Trey Lance going to have. What kind of year is Tyreek Hill going to have in Miami? All these question marks, and and uh, this is the time of prep. This is I know uh, our guy Kerry there can appreciate all the work that goes into to camp. Um, but man, it's funny to think that fantasy football players have to put in that. Not maybe not the same kind of work because I can appreciate <laughs> that, but they got to put in a lot of work uh, to be ready to have that that good draft. And you know, it starts it, it all starts with the draft. I like to make about. 10, 12 trades a year, so it's not all about the draft, but it gets you those pieces that you can that you can get to, to trade for the team that you actually want. And and uh, I, I love, I feel like the draft day is one of my favorite days of the year. There's so much leading up to it. It's and, and I'll tell you, it's just a it's a it's a good hang. It's a good party for our guys. It's a good outlet um, for the players on the team. That uh, you know, you just can't think about baseball 24 seven. You'll drive yourself crazy. Uh, so you need some outlets like that, and that's one of ours for sure. Adam, we had uh, Nick Wagner on, uh, ESPN writer for the San Francisco 49ers yesterday, and he gave us some insider trading info in regards to the running backs. Uh, pick at your own choice. Be careful when you, when choosing the running backs for the 49ers because you don't know who's going to start or who's going to play. So that, that's just a little info, info for, for you and I. You know, No one else needs to know. Just giving you some, some insider trading info so you can plan accordingly. Well, I mean, you know, you never know what Debo's going to do. He's going to go. take, he's going to take some big, <laughs> some big rushing opportunities and some some goal line opportunities away from those running backs. Exactly. So hey, Adam. Before we let you go, and uh, I, I ask this question knowing your relentless optimism, which I love and appreciate. But you've told us, hey, we've got a good team. You've told us that all season long. You guys are really hot now. How real is what we're seeing? Well, it's very real. And what we did at the break was was uh, we we. We got to a couple of positions that we really needed help in, and we got we went out and got two quality starting pitchers um, that are that are really really good arms, 
veteran players in this game and have pitched on the biggest stage. And Quintana's a veteran pitcher who's been around a long time, knows how to get out, wants to win so bad. And, and Jordan Montgomery's pitched in, in New York City for the New York Yankees. And there's no bigger pressure on earth than doing that. And, uh, and he's had great success. He, if you have a three-something ERA in the, in the AL East in Yankee Stadium uh, on that stage, you know, that's a, guy, that's a guy that every team across baseball would love to add to their rotation. And we added a couple of great guys, too, not just great players, but great guys into our locker room. Um, we'll miss Harrison, for sure. We'll miss Harrison because he was a great friend and, a, and a, just an incredible center fielder. Um, I don't think we saw the best in all of what he's capable of at the plate offensively. I think he's a very good hitter. Um, but what we did see the best of maybe in the entire game was center fielder with Harrison. So we'll miss him for sure. But I think Dylan and the other guys have stepped up their game. Lars made a couple of catches this last uh, series, too, that were just absolutely amazing. Uh, our guys are stepping up in big ways and, and playing good baseball right now. We, we're going to be very tough. Adam, this is a great time for people to get involved with the all-win campaign as well because the Cardinals are winning so much. Just go to bigleagueimpact.org. We always appreciate your time. Have a great fishing trip, and we'll see you when you guys get home from Colorado. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you at uh, Bush Stadium in a couple days uh, for our fantasy draft. Anybody wants to join in? Looking forward to it. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Perfect. Have fun, Adam. See you later. Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. And again, you can sign up for the Fantasy Draft on August 26th at the ballpark by simply going to bigleagueimpact.org. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the longtime president, founder of the St. Louis Sports Commission, Frank Viverito, announced his retirement last week. And we're going to visit with our friend Frank Viverito next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, who's in for Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Back in 1989, we were kind of scuffling as a sports community. The football Cardinals had left. The Blues were in danger of leaving. Gussie Bush died during that season, and Anheuser-Busch subsequently kind of checked out on baseball for a while. And the St. Louis Sports Commission came into being, and really helped bring a lot of great events to St. Louis. Frank Viverito took over the Sports Commission as its president 27 years ago, and it was announced last week that uh, Frank, a good friend for the entirety of those 27 years, to to me, is going to retire. And Frank joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And uh, first of all, welcome, sir. And second of all, congratulations. How are you doing? I am doing great. And Randy, I'm thinking... It doesn't feel like it was that long ago that we were celebrating the Rams' arrival into town. <laughs> that was 95, and, and that's right about the time I started with the Sports Commission. And you're exactly right that the Sports Commission was formed a few years before that to really inject life into the St. Louis sports scene, and, and it's been a great run. Frank, congratulations on a, on an illustrious career and, and, and a great job done. I was going to ask you, what is your favorite or, or most memorable uh, sporting event that you all put on? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. It, 
there's a that that's asking me like which is my favorite of my children okay but 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 i have to i i it would have to be the the 2005 men's final four i I don't think i've ever seen st louis sort of look so good uh at, at a at a time that 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 everybody just had the the pride and 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 we had the weather and we had the crowds and we had the excitement and we had the the Illini in town and I mean it, it, it was just sort of one of those magic moments but but we did an event and you know early on for Jackie Joyner Kersey that I loved and we did twelve wrestling championships that I loved and we had Simone Biles in town for the gymnastics trials last year that I loved and the PGA championship and the winter classic and on and on and on. Well, Frank, that, that 2005 uh, final four would also be my favorite. I am a former Illini. So when I went to the sports uh, sports commission page, I saw that D Brown uh, on the cover of the page. I, I was very excited to see that. So that also would be one of my favorites. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> and Frank, you and your staff, initiated what was at first the the sportsmanship award subsequently became the museal awards and that's really become a touchstone for the sports commission hasn't it absolutely and and we're elated when when it went you know live on or not live but but when we got it on national television on cbs several years ago uh, just by sheer coincidence, tickets for this year's show go, go on sale at 10 o'clock this morning. The date is Saturday, November 19th for the live event, and, and uh, it'll air on CBS Christmas Eve. But, but you know, and gosh, look at what we saw yesterday at, at the Little League World Series preliminary that went viral. The, the young man who was hit in the head by a pitch and and, and and then left first base to go over to the mound and 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 hug the pitcher who hit him mm-hmm. and, and and that's the that's the you know the, the the joy and the goodness in people that that we celebrate and and to have that event be national to have St. Louis be associated with sportsmanship uh, to, to watch Cardinal fans stand and cheer multiple times for Matt Carpenter as they do for every former player who who comes back to town. I mean, this is a special place and the Musial Awards, you know, commemorate something so important to all of us. Frank Viverito is going to retire as the Sports Commission president at the end of the year. And one of the th- things that you've always talked about when and when we're together, we talk about how great the St. Louis sports fan is. Of all the events that you and the Sports Commission have put on over the years, is there one that stands out that has made you the most proud of the St. Louis sports fan? Well, I'd have to I have to say it, and and this is totally going to date me, okay? <laughs> um, and you may not even you, well, you, you'll remember it, but it was the 1994 U.S. Olympic Festival, okay? And it took place on in 30 different venues of, across the region, and and it took thousands of of volunteers to pull it off, like a mini Olympics. I heard from volunteers at that event. I still hear from them, okay, 28 years later. I have never seen a a volunteer community come together like that over a sporting event. And and I could also have have talked about the passion that our volunteers, our wrestling volunteers have for for the 12 NCAA wrestling championships that that we've done. But, But the fans always rise to the occasion they always support the events and 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 i'm darn proud of them 
every time. Frank, I remember that Olympic Festival, and I remember going to the arena at Queenie Park and walking in and looking up for the, the media area, and it took me a couple of minutes, and I'm walking up the steps, and you hear, like, pop, 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 thwack, and then you pop, pop. <laughs> Pop, flack, and I know. I think you know where I'm going here. Yeah. The other girls that were hitting yeah. the ball, it was pop, pop, pop. Kristen Fokel, who wound up actually working with the sports commission, she was yeah. the thwack when she hit the ball. <laughs> the St. Louisan, it sounded completely different. It, it absolutely did, and and like there's so many great moments. I, I remember being in the arena, and and the place was packed to the rafters. And, and this little 14-year-old, I don't even know if she was 14, came out and, and you know, for the figure skating program, and, and she brought everybody to tears. And, and then, like, four years later, she was Tara Lipinski, you know, <laughs> Olympic gold medalist. And, you know, it's just like that's the stuff that, you know, we remember that stuff, and, and, and it brings us together. Randy, we've had this conversation so many times. This is a fractured region and sports are, are uniquely able to bring it together. Frank, after after so many years of, of doing this job and doing it at, a, at an elite level, what will you miss most uh, in your retirement? What will I miss most? Well, that that's easy. It, it's the it's the people. And if if you'd asked me like what's you know the the, the achievement I'm proudest of, I tell you, there's only one, and that's building a team that that has succeeded. And, and when I say a team, I, I mean, our staff, I mean, our board, our, our members, the, the great support we've had from the business community, the incredible support we've had from our pro teams, from the media, from the universities, like that's what we did is, is we built a team that succeeded. I know, Frank, that uh, in the next few days, we might get some word about another big golf event coming to St. Louis. What else is on the horizon? Where does St. Louis go from here as you look into your crystal ball from a sports perspective? Sure. I mean, we have a, a long list of events that, that we are always, you know, monitoring, I'll say. Some, some of them we go out and, and, and see. Some of them we're, we're going to bid on. Uh, we're looking at, you know, bringing Mizzou football back to St. Louis. Uh, I can't wait for that to happen. It, it's been way too long. Um, we're working on a wonderful women's basketball event for November of this year, which I hope we can announce soon, which is going to be really special. We're now looking at what impact can Centene Stadium and, and you know, the, the MLS team with whom we have a great working relationship what events can can we bring in you know how often can we do the ncaa college cup and soccer for for men uh and women we are working on a bid for the 2024 uh olympic gymnastics trials we haven't heard yet we've bid for the uh uh for the nit uh we're <clears throat> working on uh, being a base camp for uh uh, for World Cup teams, when when the World Cup comes to the United States in in 26, we just got a bid yesterday to take a look at the Davis Cup and the Billie Jean King Cup in in tennis. So so it's that broad landscape of events and activities that we're that we're you know looking at, and and we're also you know really interested in in what happens uh, with the dome. You know, with the XFL coming back, mm-hmm. uh, with Ram settlement money out there. 
you know, will will there be enough upgrades to, to that building to get back in the mix, you know, for a, a Final Four or to do a bowl game? And, you know, the world of sports is changing so fast. You know, the NCAA and amateurism and transfer portals and NIL and conference realignment and, and all of that, um, you know, that's going to create opportunities for everybody. It's going to, you know, uh, uh, truncate a few things that 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 have you know been happening in the past but but we just need to stay poised and ready to to you know to bid for and and to bring these events you know whatever they may be uh in the nc's future to st louis we have such a good track record such great experience and and owner event owners know that they can bring events to st louis and they'll be successful Frank Viverito, you and I were both raised very well. We have good manners, and I think our parents would be proud of the fact that we've gone this far into the interview without bringing up the Illinois-Mizzou football series that occurred at the Dome in the early 2000s. Well, you know, that game was played six times. The same team won all six games. I won't mention which team You can say it, Frank. You can say it. It's okay. I was a part of two of them, so I I was there. And and, and I've said this to our friends at at Mizzou several times. It's like, couldn't Illinois have won just one? Maybe the game would still be going if if they had won just one. One of them, and, and there were a couple of years when when Illinois was favored. And, uh, but but I'll tell you what I remember from that event: what fun it was, and, and we got to do stuff like that again. And, and I know that the the Illinois Mizzou series starts up in in twenty six again for four years, and then they take a couple years off and they come back for like two or or four years. And uh, you know, I, I know conferences are are realigning and schedules are going to be uh, up in the air, but but. That would be a game that that I'd give anything to see annually in uh, in downtown St. Louis. Yes, I would as well. <laughs> Frank, you all have the uh, Musual Awards on November 19th. You have it tagged as the most inspiring night in sports. Can you talk about that and, and how St. Louisans can find tickets to go there, to, to attend? Sure. And, you know, we also call them the most important awards in sports because we because they celebrate sportsmanship and we believe sportsmanship is the most important thing about sports and and so tickets go on sale for the event at steeple theater today at 10 all the information and and uh, the links to buy those tickets musealawards.com and and i tell you that the that ticket prices run from 10 to $35 so they're priced affordably it's the best $10 anybody will ever spend to come and and enjoy the the, the, the goodness and, and the uplifting spirit uh, of the Music Awards Saturday, November 19 at 6, 15 p.m. at Steeple Theater. And you have a very able successor at the end of this year in Mark Schreiber. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. No, of course. Mark, Mark, has, been, Mark has been next to me for, for, you know, right next to me for, for 25 years. And, and I'm just so thrilled that, that, that he's getting a chance to uh, – He'll have a chance to, to lead. Um, he, he's done just about every job that there is at the sports commission, and uh, um, you know he, he has a passion for St. Louis, you know, like kind of none other. And and he started with the sports commission as a volunteer mm-hmm. at the 1994 Olympic Festival. So if that doesn't qualify you for this job, 
I don't know what does. Frank Viverito, we have such great admiration for you personally and for what you've done professionally with the Sports Commission. And we know it's going to be a busy stretch run for you until the end of the year before you do retire. But thanks so much, not only for spending time with us today, but for doing everything that you've done for St. Louis sports over the last 27 years. It's been amazing, remarkable, and you've done a great job. It's a total team effort, and and thank you both for, for all your support and enthusiasm for what we do. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Take care. That is the retiring president of the St. Louis Sports Commission, Frank Viverito, joining us on Carriker and Smallman, Kerry Davis in for Michelle, and... Man, so much good stuff has happened, and not not so stuff. not so good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah I some, had to bring some it good up, didn't yeah, I? I, I mean, it's it. my yeah. responsibility. That was that was that was six years. What is that? What it was? Because yeah, I was only two. Yeah, I, I, it was two, and then a gap, and yeah. then four in a row. Yeah, those were six terrible years for the yeah. Illini to come here. For me, I was so excited to have to be able to play in that game, um, you know, and and to come home in front of my family and my friends, and it didn't turn out to it didn't turn mm-hmm. out well for us. And then to see it continue to not turn out well for us was was very frustrating. It, they had some pretty good quarterbacks though at Mizzou at the time. Yeah, Brad Smith, Brad Chase Smith, Daniel, yeah, yeah, pretty a good. Few, a few good quarterbacks. They, yeah. Those guys were were pretty damn good. And I don't think it'll. I know it won't happen this year. But in the very near future, I would expect that Mizzou will find themselves back at the dome mm-hmm. playing a game. I don't think it'll be the Illini, but I do think that we'll have. Mizzou football in St. Louis in the very near future. And stay tuned. This week, I think, I hope that we'll find out some more good golf news in St. Louis, too. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we're halfway home. The fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carricker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the character and small men in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy character that music means one thing when you're listening to character and Smallman, that means it's time for the fight Randy Carricker is out in the hallway. Myself, Matthew Rocchio, and Carrie Davis are in the studio. Carrie filling in as Michelle is on vacation. Carrie, n- another day of the fight. Did you enjoy yesterday's round? I did. It's always interesting to watch Randy piece it together. He, he's he, it's pretty amazing. I wish I wish people could see him put the pieces of the puzzle together in and, and come up with the answer. Are you still rooting for Randy today, or have you have you have you come to the average Joe side? I'm on, I'm I'm always on the fan on the side of the average Joe. Good to hear. Roshan <laughs> joins us today. He'll be taking on Randy in the fire. Roshan, how are you doing today? Doing all right. How you guys doing? We're doing good. Doing You're good. Well. You have two people on your on your side against Randy in today's fight. How are you feeling? I, I, you know, I feel I feel great. It's always nice to have some support, so I, I appreciate it. All right, Roshan, you ready to get started? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Take it away, Kerry. All right, Rashawn. Despite winning the 1992 Heisman Trophy, Miami quarterback Geno Toretta only played for two NFL seasons, throwing just 16 pass attempts, all in the 1996 season for which AFC team? Was it the New York Jets, the Houston Oilers, or the Seattle Seahawks? Oof. Let's go Jets. I'm not sure on that, but let's go Jets. 
Happy birthday to John Starks. The infamous John Starks game is remembered as one of the most torturous games in NBA Finals history as Starks went 2 of 18 and 0 of 11 from deep from the field in Game 7 and the Knicks lost to which team in the Finals? Was it the Houston Rockets, the Phoenix Suns, or the Utah Jazz? That would be um, the Rockets. Rockets. All right, Rashawn, only four pitchers in MLB history have won four or more Cy Young Awards in their career. Two of them won four in a row. Randy Johnson was the second, winning all four with Arizona in a row. How was the... Who was the first? Sorry. Who was the first? <laughs> I'm going to read what I see. <laughs> who was the first? Steve Carlton, Roger Clemens, or Greg Maddox? You, Kerry, did you say who was the first one of those guys? Yes, yeah, who was the first? Randy Johnson was the second to do it, winning all four of his with Arizona. Who was the first to do it? Okay, can I grab those options from you yep. again? Is it Steve Carlton, Roger Clemens, or Greg Maddox? Steve Carlton. Let's go Steve Carlton. On this day in 1995, the last MLB forfeit occurred when commemorative baseballs bombarded the Cardinals while they led 2-1 in the 8th and ninth against which NL opponent? Was it the Los Angeles Dodgers, the San Francisco, 49, uh, the San Francisco Giants, or the Arizona Dodgers. Diamondbacks? Dodgers. 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 See, when there's not actual typos, Gary, <laughs> there's no little red squiggly line on the Word document for me. Let's confirm the score we, we got. Let's, the, let's, perform, let's confirm the score we got yep, for got Roshan. Sorry about the, that, Roshan. We're going to roll Randy in here. He's Oh, he's got a power bar and he's got a propel. A power bar and a propel, Roshan. We will be you better. Do well, but I, I, I have a feeling it might not be enough because Randy, Randy is locked in, well-fueled for this fight. So, so Matthew, the funny thing is last time I did the fight, Randy ate the big bunny, and I caught him on a crash, and I, I, I'm not bragging, but he was, I'm not bragging. I beat him the first day, and the second day, he got it. He, he knocked me out, but I, he was eating something that day, too, and it was the he, bunny, and I did, it worked to my advantage. There did, you go. It worked to your advantage that time, but that, well, that, he, was a, that was a, that was a, you know, that was a, a food item that was bringing Randy down. This one, though, he's got a power bar well, and a propel. He, he hasn't he's actually fueled. opened the bar, no, so okay. we, we, Rashawn, you might okay. be okay. Well, I had a banana earlier. Oh, he okay. did have a banana. So, so he's got some brain food going. Yeah, CD, I don't know if you heard right before Easter, I ate a one-pound Reese's bunny oh, no, in I did less, not less than an hour. <laughs> how did that? How did it took that? Me like fifty-two minutes. I did crash. Oh. <laughs> I, did, I, I was zooming for a while, but man, that nine o'clock hour was brutal. I'm was, sure it was. It was. It was a little rough to watch. Randy, say hello, to Rashawn. Rashawn, great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you, sir. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Despite winning the 1992 Heisman Trophy, Miami quarterback Geno Toretta only played for two NFL seasons, throwing just 16 career pass attempts, all in the 1996 season, for which AFC team? What year, 1996? 1996. Oh, wow. Well, he played for Minnesota and Seattle. I guess Seattle hadn't moved to the NFC yet. I'll, I'll go with uh, the Seahawks. How did he ever win a Heisman Trophy? <laughs> the U was stacked. Uh, happy birthday to John Starks. In the, the infamous John Starks game is remembered as one of the most torturous games in NBA Finals history. Starks went 2 of 18 from the field in Game 7, and the Knicks lost the finals to which team? The uh, What year was this again? Uh, I didn't say the year. You didn't say the year? 
So they played in nice the finals. Try. Thank you. <laughs> Your makes it too easy. So um, they played in the finals, I believe, in, well, certainly in 94, because that was the OJ Chase year. It was. Against Houston. And then they got back in 99. And I don't, I thought Starks was bad against, you know what, Matthew, why don't I do the old lifeline here? Is I got the, it. Is it the Houston Rockets, the Phoenix Suns, or the Utah Jazz? Well, then it was Houston. Yeah. All right, Randy. Only four pitchers in MLB history have won four or more Cy Young, Award, mm-hmm. Cy Young Awards in their career. Two of them won four in a row. Randy Johnson was the second, winning all four of his with the with the Arizona. With Arizona. Mm-hmm. Who was the first? That would have been uh, Mad Dog, Greg Maddox. All right, and in this day in 1995, the last MLB forfeit occurred when commemorative balls bombarded the Cardinals while they led the game 2-1 <laughs> to one against which NL opponent? That would have been the Doyers. <laughs> do you have any Do you have any stories about that day in 95, right? I figured you would. It took somewhat of a delay before they finally called the game. But, yeah, they learned their lesson about uh, ball night at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> give, give people a little coupon to get the ball on your way out rather Instead than as you're walking in. Instead of giving it to them on the way in. The way certain theme nights at baseball games have gone poorly is one of my favorite, like, subparts of baseball history. The fact that there has just been some unbelievably terrible events that have caused people to get injured, hurt, and just shut down entire games. It's my favorite part of baseball history, and I love that the Cardinals are, are involved in that one. As somebody said, I believe on that night, I'm glad it wasn't alligator night. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's get a winner today. Randy, well, he ran through that one pretty quickly, and so I'm sorry to Roshan, but this one seems a little a little bit just kind of kind of like fate got you on this one. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Love you enough when you were little, did they? I don't know why. I forgot to give this to Randy too. Oh, just win, baby. There we there go. go. <laughs> there you go, Roshan. I'm sorry you got two out of four, but unfortunately you came against Randy when he was not a, in, in a sugar crash. He beat you four to two on this one. Yeah, that's what I. Uh, that's that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Good job. <laughs> good, good fight, Roshan. Like we said, Randy got the jack. So you heard all the answers, but we're gonna go through them really quickly just to make sure you got them. Despite winning the 1992 Heisman Trophy, Miami quarterback Gino Toretta only played for two NFL seasons. He threw all 16 of his career attempts for the Seattle Seahawks in 1996. He went five of 16, by the way. Happy birthday to John Great. Starks. He went two of 18 in the infamous John Starks game, which was Game Seven of the NBA Finals against the Houston Rockets. And only four pitchers in Major League Baseball history have won four more Cy Young Awards. Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Steve Carlton, and the winner, and, and Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox won all four of his consecutively for the Atlanta Braves. And, of course, Randy Johnson won one of his in Seattle and then four straight with the Diamondbacks. And on this day in 1995, against the Los Angeles Dodgers, they gave away commemorative balls for the uh, past Dodgers Rookie of the Years, as it was Hideo Nomo's 19th start of the year in his rookie year. And uh, some calls went against the Dodgers and the balls began to fly down. And and 
if you, I, I believe it was Brian Jordan who got hit with a bottle of Jack Daniels wow. as well that, out in center field. Do you in. think that the, the marketing team that comes up with those ideas have a have a have a meeting the following morning when? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's see if we can change this. John Mabry got hit with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Oh, okay. oh that's oh, yes. And by the way, the, when the Knicks went to the finals in '99, they lost to the Spurs. They did. Yep. So that was the, that was a strike sword. Yeah, yeah. Strike short and season. See, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Carry Not on, really. Carry on top of it right there yeah. with, the, with the NBA. I liked it. Oh, it's too hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. There we go. That was pretty good. That was, All of those. That was effortless, Randy. That was an, that was an effortless, effortless day. You got you got to come up with something a little harder for him, Rocky. I guess he's, so. he's, I mean, he's, but but you were you were spot on. Do not put a year in there because the brain computes years and it's, mm-hmm. it spits out I, exactly what happened in that year sports wise. It's it's pretty amazing. There's sometimes to I, watch. I I have to give him little things like I gave I gave him the I gave him AFC team yes. in the first answer yes. for Gino Toretta because it's a little bit more random. But in those ones. You know, it's, but he, it's, he knew it's that the, right then. Well, it's, 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 Seahawks weren't even in in the, the NFC. 90s, then I, there you go. It's the nineties NBA. Sixty percent of the years are blocked out by you know that it's the Bulls winning. So you, you, I couldn't give him. I couldn't give him. You know, four, you know, a twenty five percent shot at the pot already. Okay. He's 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 pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty good. Randy. Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> coming up next on one on one ESPN, we're going to talk some NFL. Three questions about Kerry's Pittsburgh Steelers next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? I don't really understand your question. Are you fooling me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now it's time for three questions on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's Mitchell Trubisky. When you look back at everything Mike Tomlin would say about the quarterback position last year, mobility, mobility, mobility was huge from him. He wanted to see plays be made outside of the pocket, be able to extend plays, use your legs to threaten the defense. No one on this roster can do that better than Mitchell Trubisky. And he also has the pedigree that got him drafted second overall over Patrick Mahomes and also Deshaun Watson. He's had a year to learn under Brian Dayball. He's seen Josh Allen do certain things athletically, and I think that helps him win this job along with his experience with the Chicago Bears where he was a playoff quarterback. That is Kerry's former Steelers teammate Ryan Clark of ESPN talking about the Steelers and quarterback Mitchell Trubisky and for everybody question number one in Pittsburgh outside of Pittsburgh every NFL fan Kerry that's question number one about the Steelers isn't it do they get production from the quarterback position number one you had you had been there for so many years and and you knew who QB one was uh, hurt injured ready to play ready, not ready to play he was gonna he's gonna take care of business um, I think obviously it was a, a position of need knowing that he was retiring you bring in Mitchell Trubisky you draft Kenny Pickett and then you have Mason Rudolph still on the roster and and there have been reports that Mason has been playing the best but I, I find it hard to believe that he would be the starter knowing that you went out and intentionally brought in two more quarterbacks to 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 fight for that position. So it's gonna that's that's obviously the most important position on any team, but in this situation coming from a, a quarterback that you've had for so long and that you knew would be there and, and take care of his business every single Sunday, uh, it's gonna be extremely important to figure out which one of those two are able to make some plays happen. 
and and we'll see how it, how it pans out. And apparently Trubisky has had a couple of good days in practice. We tend to forget that this guy played in a Pro Bowl in his second year. He did lead the Chicago Bears, and everybody seems to agree that as a head coach, that Matt Nagy was inept. Mm-hmm. So you've got an inept co- head coach and a team that went to the playoffs under this quarterback two times. You can't both be terrible. Right. Right? If you're going to the playoffs, it can't be Trubisky and Nagy. It's got to be Trubisky or or Nagy. And so I have confidence that in getting in a culture and with a system that has a history of winning and they know how to adapt to their talent, I think Trubisky will be better than he's ever been. I think that in order for the Steelers to be successful, obviously they're going to have to run the ball. But they're going to have to find a way to – last year they did a lot of dink and dunk passes. They didn't do too much over the middle. You got Fryermuth, who is a very, very good, solid tight end who is, you know, I won't say the next Heath Miller, but but has the potential to be extremely, extremely uh, uh, well-regarded tight end in the league and can make some plays downfield and over the middle of the field. I think you're going to have to find ways to get the ball in the middle of the field instead of just outside in those dink and dunk passes. And uh, if you do that and run the ball well, you'll be okay. Number two. And, Kerry, you're trying to get the ball not only to Freermouth downfield, but you're trying to get it to Deontay Johnson, who just yeah. signed a big contract, had the good year last year. Chase Claypool had a really good rookie year, fell off a little bit last year. And then the second rounder this year, George Pickens, the key to getting the ball downfield is protecting Trubisky and giving him enough time to do so. That offensive line for the last two years has been bad. It's It's been a real outlier for Steelers teams. Can this offensive line of Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniels, Chikuma, Okrafor, can they provide enough, A, time for Trubisky? Maybe A, holes for Najee Harris, B, time for Trubisky. Well, they moved Kendrick Green, former Illini, from center to guard. Uh, he struggled a little bit last year. He was a, first round, he was a third-round pick uh, rookie year last year. He struggled at times. And, and when it was bad, it was bad. So they moved him from center, which normally in the AFC, I know when we were playing, a lot of those teams play 3-4. And, and when you have a big nose that is over you, and if you're not able to snap the ball and block, you're going to run into, this, into some problems. So up front is the most important thing. Uh, I love the pick of George Pickens. I think he is going to be – I thought it was interesting that Chase Claypool was the one that – was the one that brought the card up and announced him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, it, it, it's not great when they're drafting your position at least in the second round. He didn't say yikes. Yeah. <laughs> he, should, he should have, yeah. especially if you watch George Pickens play at, at Georgia yeah. um, because he's an outstanding football player. But I love Deontay, Deontay Johnson's game. I love what George Pickens is going to add to him. And if Chase Claypool can beat what he is physically on the field, you know, week in and week out, they have an opportunity to be extremely talented on the outside and then you got Najee Harris running the ball. Do you have confidence in that line ascending? I I do. I think it's going to, like I said, you move some pieces around and, and, and got Kendra Green out of the If you're not mm-hmm. able to sustain in the middle right up the middle of the of the offensive line and they're able to rush right there, it's hard as a quarterback which is also why they went to get Mitchell Trubisky because he is more athletic and able to move around a lot more. We talked about Ben in, <laughs> during the break. He's he's mm-hmm. not He was not as mobile as he got older. He was tough to bring down but just not able to move as well. Mitchell Trubisky can move and that helps you when you don't have a line that is able to hold up that well. Number three. For the first time that I can ever remember, the Steelers only have five homegrown players on defense, five homegrown starters, and six imports on defense. So unsteeler like 
And now a new defensive coordinator with the retirement of Keith Butler, Terrell Austin, takes over as the coordinator. Can this defense gel and be what we expect a Steelers defense to be? Well, is T.J. Watt still there? He's still there. Right, well, I think <laughs> you're going to be okay. Yeah, no. you, got, you got the pass rusher. You got Minka Fitzpatrick roaming the you field got, you in got the secondary. Two of the, two of the things, two of the main things you need. You got to be able to rush the ball and, and rush the passer and be able to defend the pass. Uh, and those two guys are very good at their job and, and two of the elite players at it. T.J. Watt um, probably could have been defensive player a year, two or three years prior mm-hmm. to finally getting it. Um, one guy's bothering him. One guy. I mean, that, I mean, what are you talking about? Hey, what are you going to do? And that guy is pretty damn good. That's Maybe Donald, one of yeah. the best players ever when it's all said and done on the defensive side. Uh, but T.J. Watt does an outstanding job of getting to the quarterback, putting pressure on the quarterback. And I, I just believe that defensively, even though they have Miles Jack, I'm interested in seeing how he does. I just think they're they're faster up front. They're able to move a little bit better. And defensively, as long as one of the issues that they have had, I would say for maybe five to ten years, it feels like, is the secondary and, and not being able to defend elite receivers. So if they can get that corrected, Minka is obviously great over the top with mm-hmm. help. But you got to have some great cornerback play that does not allow people to run past you and put so much stress on the secondary, on, the, on your safety. So if they're able to do that outside and they're able to get a pass rush, from those guys, I think it'll be okay. And by the way, some teams, some organizations, some personnel guys don't have the self-awareness to realize, okay, our drafting isn't doing it, yeah. so we got to try free agency. I give the Steelers credit, actually, for going out and getting guys from yeah. other organizations when it's not working right. with your guys. And we talked about it yesterday. Sometimes when you bring guys in that don't understand your culture, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But as long as you have the right people and the right pieces to the puzzle that can come in and are prepared to, to take on that culture of, of what, what we do in the Steelers locker room, they'll be okay. It's going to be... It's going to be built for for them to to run around and make plays, and I'm looking forward to it. That AFC North division is going to be it's going to be heads rolling, Love knocking yeah. all over the place. It's cold, the ground is hard, and it's it's fun football. You know what? The Steelers kind of have that same feeling the Cardinals have. Miles Jack feels kind of like a player that had he gone to like the Ravens or the Steelers, either of those teams. You get that kind of athleticism yeah. and that kind of defensive mindset and, and the history that those those franchises have in their defense. I have a feeling could maybe really explode and live up to his draft hype. He yes. was a monster, and mm-hmm. just nothing's ever nothing good is going on in Jacksonville. He was he was really good in Jacksonville, yes. but he he was in Jacksonville. Yeah, him, that's him unfortunate. Bush, I mean, <laughs> those, those that's that's got to be two of the best sideline to sideline linebacker combos and, in the league. And that's what you need if you're if you're able to, especially if you're going to be playing a Lamar Jackson led Ravens team, you have to be able to have linebackers that can run sideline to sideline and not allow him to just take off downfield. Four years ago, the Jaguars played in the AFC Championship game and had six Pro Bowl defenders. None of them are there anymore. It's a shame. Bad, bad news. All right. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you, Matthew. And that is three questions about the Steelers answered. Next up. Last night, notwithstanding, do the Cardinals now have a championship-quality bullpen? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hazelwood Central Football Coach, 
Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion with the Steelers, in for Michelle. I'm Randy, and Kerry, I like this Cardinal bullpen, and last night they did not have a great night. I think we can all agree that Miles Michaelis had a bad game for the Cardinals, and the bullpen left something to be desired. Packy Naughton uh, comes in after Miles Michaelis gives two and two-thirds. He allows four runs. T.J. McFarland, who hadn't pitched in a couple of weeks, he goes two and two-thirds, and he allows a couple of runs. And T.J. McFarland is the one guy that I don't trust. And Packy, by the way, needs to pick it up. When you look at what he has done in August, he has uh, has a 10.8 ERA. He is only thrown in a couple of games, but he's allowed four earned runs in three and a third. And Packy, who was so good for such a long time, had an 18 or 19 straight game stretch where he was terrific. I still believe in Packy Naughton. But it, when I give you the names, tell me what you think. Just thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Ryan Helsley. Thumbs up. Gallegos. Thumbs up. Uh, Jordan Hicks. Can't get two thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andre Pallante. Thumbs up. Chris Stratton. Thumbs up. And then you get to uh, Cabrera, Johannes Cabrera. I th- uh, thumbs up. Yeah. I and then up. Naughton. Eh. Yeah, sideways, yeah, sideways. Sideways. And then McFarland, kind of a thumbs down. up. But you go back to. Was that seven out of eight? Yeah. Six out of yeah, six and, and a half out of eight. Six yeah. and a half out of eight. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. When we go back to a couple of months ago, when they were trotting out Nick Whitgren and they're trotting out that, Verhagen, yep. and they were using McFarland regularly, and he was not good. Right. And even Fernandez, before he got good, about half the bullpen gave you pause if they came into a game. Now, and this was, I've always felt good about the, the big three, about Cabrera, Gallegos, and, and Helsley. But if you were in a game that you were down 5-3 and you brought in anybody else aside from the big three, that 5-3 turned into 7-3 in a big hurry. Right. I feel pretty good about the rest of the bullpen. Now, I'm with you. I think six and a half out of eight, and I think it's a group, and especially when you get Flaherty back and you move probably Dakota Hudson to the pen or you bring back a guy like uh, Junior Fernandez or the guy they got for Edmundo Sosa, Jojo Romero, who's down at AAA, you might get to the playoffs, if you get to the playoffs, and I think they will, mm. and feel good about the entire bullpen. Well, the the addition of Quintana and, and, and Montgomery obviously helps that bullpen because you're able to move some people. And as you said, if you're, if you're able to get Flaherty back and can move one more person in Dakota Hudson back to the bullpen, it makes you that much stronger. Now, obviously, you can't. I, I know you said they didn't pitch well yesterday, but I think most of the majority of that was on Miles Michaelis. Yeah, and absolutely. and for me, when you come into a game and you're you're down the way they were, it doesn't lead, lean lean on you being able to have much success, knowing that it's already that bad. Right, you're done. So you're, you're down twelve yeah, nothing, yeah. and you're now you're coming in. And, hey, fix it, save it. Now nah, I can't mm-hmm. save this, sir. So you know, I I don't lean. I don't I don't give too much. Um, wait on what happened yesterday, just because I told you earlier, we throw that tape out, we don't watch it, we don't worry about it. But going forward, I do like what they have in the bullpen. I do like what the potential for their starting five are. If everyone is healthy and ready to go, mm-hmm. I, I think Jordan Montgomery may be a steal and may be I'm a person you. that when you, most Cardinal fans, man, oh, what the what the hell, what do we do? Mm-hmm. But when you saw him and you're able to say five innings, scoreless. Mm-hmm. He cramped up. He's St. Louis Heat. His first first time in the St. Louis is one of the hottest places in the world. That's yeah, just my, yeah. my, no, you're my right. it is it, <laughs> no other place like it. Um, so, you know, to see him in his next start and see how well he does, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Quintana tonight, what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you got two guys that, that weren't here a month ago, and now they're here, and now you get to see this, this starting lineup, these the starting pitchers, the starting five, and see what they're able to do 
And if they're able to give you more innings now, you don't have to lean on the McFarlands. You don't have to lean on the guys that you, eh, so-so. You can trust those guys. You can trust Helsley. You can trust Hicks to come in and and, and keep the ball low and keep the ball in the park. So I, I, I do like where they are right now. I Again, don't panic. Last night was You're in was what it was. Yeah. And, and you go for it and you make plays and you make it happen tonight. And I brought up Dakota Hudson earlier. And people might not remember, when he came up as a rookie, he was really effective out of the bullpen. In his career, Hudson as a starter, 61 starts, a 3.51 ERA. And he has 10 games over 500. He had a great year, uh, the, the one year, uh, his nominal rookie year. But when he came up in his first year, he threw 28 games out of the pen, he had a 2.84 ERA. He struck out 21 in 31 and two-thirds. He did walk 19, which isn't optimal. But he's going to be the, the only an emergency guy like McFarland is now. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to have an, a, an only an emergency guy, I know Dakota, Dakota Hudson can give me innings. And I know that he's been effective out of the bullpen in the past. And Palante can eat up innings as well. Both yeah, of them have, have started games. And, and so now if you do run into a situation where your starter can only give you four, give you three and a third, you have a guy that can come in and eat those innings up, eat those innings up and not put that much stress on the, on the back end of the bullpen. And let's give some credit to Mo here. Mo does a really good job, and he's done it in the past, of rebuilding a bullpen on the fly. Did it in 2011. Had to do it pretty much in 2013 when they went to the World Series. They acquired Edwin Mujica, and he had 37 saves that year. And now this year they've kind of rebuilt the bullpen again. Yeah, I think Mo does not get enough credit. I think we are so... Uh, caught up on the things that he doesn't do, and, and like the Juan Soto trade, you want him bad, but mm-hmm. but then you think about well, we got Goldie, we got we got Arenado, and we got two pitchers this year that are going to help your starting rotation, where you may not need the 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 the, the, the Juan Sotos of the world, and you can keep a Jordan Walker in your in your in your in your in, yeah. <laughs> that is huge for you. So it it sometimes it's not. It's not the things that you don't do or the things that you do do. It's what you don't do. And you don't trade away some of those pieces. And now, looking forward, the future looks bright, but the future looks really good for this season as well. Um, We just got to get the bats going tonight and not worry about what happened yesterday. (laughs) That's today's big thing. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, with Carrie and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. All right, time for You're Killing Me, Smalls. Carrie Davis, Randy Carriker, Matthew Rocchio here. And fun things killing happening. Me, Smalls. Well, there we go. Let's get started. We're, you're <laughs> killing me, Smalls. So I don't know if you saw this, Carrie, but as an old school guy like I am, mm-hmm. you're just going to absolutely love what happened last night in the Diamondbacks Pirates game. Astro slides into third. His phone comes out of his pocket. Now that's a first. <laughs> And there's Adam Hammery. Dude, your phone is down there. Hey, right there. <laughs> oh, my God. Rodolfo Brand- Castro of the Pirates sliding oh. into third base and the phone falls out of his pocket. Randy, I was watching. This is so new age. 
children and adults now. It, I was watching something. I saw something on Twitter, uh, I think, last week. It was the first day of practice for, for a team, and one of the kids had his football pants on. And, you know, the football pants have pockets in them, mm-hmm. which are supposed to be for your thigh the pads. Yeah. He had a cell phone in there. Oh. <laughs> he didn't know. He's like, I got my cell phone in my pocket. Like This is this is what we do now. We cannot go anywhere unattached. We will be with our phones in our hands from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep. And sometimes we don't even sleep. We, we just keep our phones on 24 hours, and that's what we do. I want to criticize him, but, I mean, I'm, I'm a person, and I get made fun of it around the, the station, which is completely fair. I, I always have an earbud in my ear. You do. Because, I, 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 because I, whenever, <laughs> I, whenever I don't have to talk to somebody, I, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm like, how dare I have to, have to deal with, with silence or not being entertained by something I like myself. Randy Ryder and I were ha- were talking yesterday, and, and Rockio came in and had the, the music up so loud and Ryder was like Rocky, you don't you don't hear and he got earbuds and he can't hear anything <laughs> he doesn't know what the heck so, is going on yeah, right if, if I was playing baseball I had a feeling this would have already uh, happened to me listen there, there are kids that I've had I, I'm afraid at times that they'll be out there with their helmets on with their airpods in mm-hmm. just playing oh, yeah. like they'll do whatever they can that's, to, that's to a, stay yeah. connected uh, at all times yeah. it's that's a real risk I'm surprised you haven't caught a player doing I have that not I, I, you would hear about it if I do trust me and to the credit of the rookie <laughs> Rodolfo Castro of the Pirates he did say after the game I don't think there's any professional ball player that would ever go out there with any intentions of taking a cell phone it's horrible it happened to me obviously it was very unintentional so uh, apparently it won't happen again so is he watching his phone in between innings that he just happened to put it in his pocket and walk out there and and go go hit and get on base and 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 run around the bases is that how that works he he could not have been in the field with it in uh, his pocket right carry this new age day if you're if you're a young if you're a young cat who's maybe not tied down you set that. You set that. You set the frequency on those dating apps to three miles. You're in okay. the stadium. You're ready All to of a sudden, there's fifteen thousand potentials. You know, just yep. walking around the stadium. You're swiping right a little bit during the game. I'm assuming this is better in 2022 than it was in the 80s when Tim Raines would slide head first because he had a vial of cocaine oh, in his back pocket well. and he didn't want to break the vial of coke. There's there's that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. All right, sticking with baseball. Phillies and Mets have a pretty good rivalry and the Phillies have made their way into playoff contention this year. The Mets, one of the best teams in baseball. And Keith Hernandez, the former Cardinal, another old school guy, is not a huge fan of watching the Phillies. I miss both Phillies series. I have to go this weekend to St. Louis for the 40th anniversary of 82. I'll join you in Atlanta. And then and I what's your a, excuse the following week? It's a scheduled uh, scheduled uh, off off series. And you know, I've expressed to the to the front office, not Met front office, our front office of SNY that that I I hate doing Philly games, so I guess they gave they gave me to get the series off. You hate doing Philly games? Oh, because they always never seem to. Oh, up and in fastball. Uh, they never seem to uh, disappoint. I mean, they, they, over the years, now they're hot right now. I would I would like to see them, but you know, as far as fundamentally and defensively, the Phillies have always been just you know not up to it. Maybe we can shoehorn you into the <laughs> schedule now that they're playing well and maybe up to your standards. Well, we'll see. Don't hold your breath. I'll watch on TV. Uh-oh. There is nothing greater than a rivalry that, that lasts 30, 40. Like, when you have a disdain for a 
a, a program or an mm-hmm. organization, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. It sticks with you. It's in it's in you. It's in your fra- fabric. It, it, it's who you are. And and Keith obviously feels that way about the I Phillies, and it. I love it. I, I'm all for that. Yeah. I'm all for old man. I oh, get off my totally, lawn. Totally. I don't like it. I don't want to be there, and I ain't going. Yeah. And I'm glad he's coming here, by the way, to celebrate the 40th anniversary Indeed. of the 1982 Cardinal World Championship. Finally, Carrie, you played for a couple of organizations that had some football lifers among the ownership. Jimmy Ursay grew up around the NFL. The Rooney family, they're, they're football mm-hmm. lifers. You always like having an owner that knows what's going on in the National Football League. Well, the Denver Broncos have a new owner, Rob oh, Walton, yeah. from Walton Family fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rob Walton, in his introductory press conference, proved his knowledge of the NFL. I'd like to thank Roger uh, Goodell, uh, Commissioner Goodell, the, uh, and uh, we're just so excited. <laughs> Not once, but twice. twice. <laughs> Double down on it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Goodell. Commissioner, Commissioner Goodell. Goodell. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. I, I can't wait till they have a meeting and he does whatever he wants to do. That, 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 is, that is my type of guy. Yeah. That guy just spent... <laughs> $4.6 billion for a property. Randy, if you spend that much money, you can call whoever, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Almost, to, to a certain degree. If you miss yeah. a name, eh, you yeah. know who you are, right? Rog? You hope so, yeah. You know your name. Hey, that's, that's sometimes my dad used to tell he'll call me my brother's name. Hey, Clay, that, dad, I'm curious. You, you, boy, you know your name. You Come here. <laughs> so that's, that's Rob Walton, the new owner of the Broncos, and that's your Killing Me Smalls. Killing Me Smalls? On 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we are going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. A guy who really likes this Cardinal offense and really likes Nolan Arenado is Rockies analyst Ryan Spilborg, who also is one of the the great hosts on MLB Network Radio. Spilly joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We are efforting Ryan Spielborg's Rockies analyst. And before we get to Ryan Spielborg's carry up, last night's game, you mentioned it off the top of the show this morning. It's one that you can just throw away. It's one of those games where you're going to win 60 and lose 60 during the course of a season. It's what you do with the other 42 that right. matter. Right. And that wasn't a game that you were going to win. Right off the bat, when no. Crone hits a three-run <laughs> homer, I was thinking, okay, well, this one's going to get out of hand. And it did. It was not a good night for Miles Michaelis. He allowed 14 hits. And sure, there wasn't a lot of hard contact on him. But that one, to me, is easier to throw away than if you lose 5-4 in 10 or something like that. Well, like I said earlier, when you're down that much that early, it, it, it's – it is what it is. You have to live with it. You 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 put yourself in that position. You got to deal with it. But you don't you don't dwell on it. You don't continue to think about it. Once you get out of that game, you go home. You have some dinner. You know, you watch some TV. Whatever. You don't watch the. You don't go watch <laughs> film or anything. You don't. It doesn't matter because it happened. It was terrible, and you throw it out and you get ready for today's game. And the only real frustration from my perspective, is that the Cardinals did have a lot of momentum. They'd won seven in a row. They'd won nine of ten. Does losing 16-5 have any impact at all on that? Here's the manager, Ali Marmol. Just as quickly as this one. We'll be just fine. <laughs> sure. yeah. So, no, don't worry about it. 
Not, not at all. We'll be just fine. Yeah. Just cuts it there. I mean, when you're yeah. when you're when you're a head coach, a manager, when you're the leader of a team, there is nothing you can say. I mean, Miles Michaelis didn't go out there and expect to give up. What did he say? How many did I give up? Fourteen. Yeah, he, didn't 14. Know. <laughs> he didn't even know how many hits he gave up. You know, and, yeah. and he knew how many runs it was. I'm sure, but he didn't know how many hits it was. So y- y- there is nothing. There's no coaching or no nothing that you can implement to do better. You just got to perform better. It's not. It's not a technique thing. Sometimes things happen like that. You bounce back. You live with it. You deal with it, and you go forward. And Paul DeYoung had a hit last night. It was a home run. His batting average is up to 162. He is like the the quintessential 2022 bottom-of-the-order guy. He doesn't hit a lot, but when he hits them, they go. He's got four home runs and three doubles. Those are his seven hits since he came back from Memphis. Confidence, honestly. You look at him back before we sent him down, there was just a a lack of it. Um, Just believing that he's capable of coming through in certain situations. What we're seeing now is he's looking forward to that. Uh, spot and um, he's taking some big swings. He's feeling good about it. Um, so I think the mentality and the physical part are are matching up. So it's been good. And I don't ever expect Paul DeYoung to be back to being a 285 hitter like he was in his rookie year. But if the Cardinals could get him in a normal circumstance to be a 750 to 800 OPS guy, and if he if he hits 215, 230, just get on base some, hit the ball out of the ballpark, hit some doubles be a, a seven or eight hitter. I'm I'm fine with that because he's a very good defender. And that's what's expected now from organizations is just power. And, and the timely hits matter more than anything. Mm-hmm. I, I think about the game against the Yankees where he hit the three-run home run and you actually needed that cushion because the Yankees scored a, a run in the top, of the top of the ninth. So it's the timely hits, it's the timely RBI doubles, RBI triples, whatever it may be, and, and home runs where he's able to where he's able to make those things happen. One thing that I heard was confidence. Mm-hmm. And and that is a, a vital and a extremely crucial point of being a professional athlete. When you lose your confidence, it is a wrap. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how how physical, uh, physically imposing you may be or may not be. When you don't have the confidence to go up there night in and night out to do your job at an, at an elite level, it becomes difficult. And when you do have the confidence, it becomes that much easier to do your job. And if you're struggling and you don't have confidence and – 10 different people are telling you what the answer to your problems oh, yeah. is, and then they all have different ideas, and you listen to them all, that's a real problem. You know what? I was I was telling somebody I've been taking golf lessons the other day, mm-hmm. and one of my friends was like, oh my, I got a slice on mine, and three or four people say, oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to... Okay. <laughs> yeah. I won't tell... I mean, because when you get too much information, it can be, it can, it can be detrimental. So... Sometimes you just need to get back to basics. Obviously, he went down, got some things corrected, saw what he wasn't doing well. You do the things that get you back to that point that you were able to have success in the big leagues. And he's gone down and corrected some things, and, and he's come back up. And like you said, you don't need him to be a 230, 240 hitter and just the timely RB. Even if it's a sack fly, get the runner to, from, from, from second to third. Get him from third to home and get that RBI Get those timely hits, those timely spot, those timely spots where you need to make something happen. And Kerry, we as Cardinal fans need to be realistic. And I know sometimes it's difficult because there's great names on the shortstop free agent market this off season. Carlos Correa is going to be a free agent again. Trey Turner is going to be a free agent. Xander Bogarts is going to be a free agent. Dansby Swanson going to be a free agent. You've got four premier guys that are going to be on the market. But the Cardinals have Paul DeYoung tied up to a $9 million deal for next year. And the Cardinals are not going to go out and spend 
22 or 25 or 30 million dollars on one of those free agent shortstops when Paul DeYoung is making nine. They live within a budget. And that's why I'm saying the, the Cardinals and we, well, we don't have to, but they're going to be happy if their nine million dollar investment gets what we're suggesting out of Paul DeYoung. And yeah, you, you no need to go spend more money when. You have a lineup that is well suited for what he's able to do, and if he's if he's able to play good defense up the middle, then you're you're okay with with what he brings to the bat brings to the plate. It's similar to what we say about Yachty. You you know you're not going to get the production at the plate, but he's going to be so valuable mm-hmm. behind the plate. You know, managing the staff, managing those younger pitchers that you he he's going to play every day. And if, if the young is having those timely hits and playing solid defense up the middle, he's got to play. And it does put a premium on Tommy Edmond being consistent, on the right fielder, whoever it is, Newt Bar right now, being consistent, and Tyler O'Neill right. being reasonably consistent. If you can get those guys to be consistent, then there's less of a necessity to have Paul DeYoung be that premier guy. That's Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champ. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Rockies analyst Ryan Spilborgs joins us. Joins us. You can hear Spilly on Sirius XM MLB Radio every afternoon with loud outs, and it's great to have Ryan Spilborgs with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Good morning, Spilly. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling in. Sorry I was uh, running a little late this morning. Not a problem at all. And uh, last night, one of those games that uh, we've come to know and love at Coors Field, wasn't it? Uh, We haven't had that many of those, to be honest. I mean, like, uh, you start going through nine runs in the third inning and uh, the hits that Miles Michaels gave up, it's like in the history of games. It's never happened. (laughs) You know, like, for... (laughs) For for Miles Michaels, I think he only recorded eight outs and gave up fourteen hits, and that's the first time in the modern ball era. So, uh, and if you, I mean, like nine runs in an inning for the Rockies, that hasn't happened since 2016. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's certain nights having you know played there and and now broadcast there for nine seasons. Um, there's certain nights where you just get a feel that it's going to be an offensive night. It's right around 90 degrees and there's no wind. Um, ideal <laughs> hitting temperatures. And then um, kind of if, if you have somebody that stays within the strike zone and, uh, you know, the misses are, are in the middle, um, there's, there's a lot of runs that could be had. Ryan, you got to watch Nolan Arenado for, for a few years while he was there. Uh, what are the what is the thought of, of fans of, of Nolan at this point in, in, in Colorado, and, and what do you see for him going forward? Uh, I mean, from last year, totally different than this year. I mean, this year, I think fans are, are, you know, totally okay with him being in a Cardinals uniform. Last year, it hurt, you know, and, and still looking at the overall trade, uh, I don't think it'll ever make sense to Rockies fans. Like a, a Rockies fan is never going to make sense of the trade, even if like the players at the Rockies, you know, Austin Gomber and Ellery Montero or any of these, these young players, if they go out to be all-stars, like they'll just, they'll never be able to understand it. Right. So um, that's, you know, from a general fan they'll never be able to put it together. Like the, the, the Rockies and the Nolan Arenado trade, you know, for whatever reason, uh, was necessary for the Rockies to make. But, you know, watching Nolan and knowing how hard he works and getting better, I mean, if you look at the strikeout rate, it's going down, walk rate's going up. I mean, he's always going to play great defense. I think he's inspired playing next to Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, And so, 
you know, I've, I've looked at Nolan as an MVP. He's one of my favorite players ever to watch, to compete and to know. Um, so I, you know, I, I think his, you know, his time in, in Cardinals history will be great. Uh, and at the end of his career, he will be a Hall of Famer. There's no question. He's a Hall of Fame player. Spilly, I heard you talking on your show the other day about the Cardinal offense in general, and we obviously focus on it here and focus on the relative inconsistency. But when you look at the lineup, what do you think it's capable of? Um, you know, I think they're capable of getting quality at bats. I, I like. I, I hate to put like numbers on on units, like offensive units. I just look at for I look for the quality of the bat, and if I start going down, you know line by line if i you know if i think that guy's gonna make a pitcher work um that's kind of how i how i look at it <laughs> you know it's pretty simple you, you go through a lineup you got nine guys in there now that we have the dh uh you know if you have three quality at bats in there so a quality at bat would be you know being able to take a walk get a hit hit a homer uh and do it with relative consistency you know you want to have a 350 on base percentage ish, like right around there, is really good. So you could just you you just count up your your lineup. You just go right down the right down the the way and see if you have those type of players. And if you only have three in your lineup, you're not a good lineup. If you have five in your lineup, that's much better. And if you have seven, now now we're talking like you're the Astros and you're the Yankees or or you're the Dodgers. So uh, I think the Cardinals have that type of lineup where you do have two guys in the middle and, and Goldschmidt and Arnado, you know, those are quality at bats. Nolan Gorman so young, but he's turning into a quality at bat. I think Tyler O'Neill this season, you know, he's been hurt. So I think he could be a quality at bat. I think Dylan Carlson could be one. So, I mean, like just looking at this, Tommy Edmond, I see five to six quality at bats, not quite the level of, of the Astros or the Dodgers. But if, if things go well, um, you guys have you know enough there to to win a lot of baseball games. Ryan, we were talking about from the Cardinals aspect of last night's game, how you just kind of throw that out of your memory and, and move forward to today's game. What does a game like that from last night do for the Rockies and, and how they move going forward? Same thing. I mean, you, you, you hopefully you got a bunch of hits and you raise your batting average. You got the you got the win. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's. Todd Helton used to tell me, he was like, I don't care what you did yesterday, today's a new day. Uh, and it's pretty important to remember that. I mean, yesterday's over, nothing you can do about it, and then you just play another baseball game. I mean, baseball players, we're, we're, it's like Groundhog's Day at the movie for us. We just get out of bed, we, we roll up, and we do it again. Uh, so hopefully you got confidence. I mean, like that, there is a separator. when you, If you're swinging the bat well or you're playing well, uh, you look forward to coming to the field because you know you're going to win. Um, that's not always the case. So a game like this for the Rockies will not make them think like everyone's going to get a hit again tonight or they're going to win every game. Uh, the Cardinals last night, you know, even though they've won seven, they're like, yeah, that was a, that was a weird game for us. We'll be fine. Spilly, one more thing from me, and that's in regards to the Cards and the Brewers. Obviously, the Cardinals get a guy you'll see tonight in Quintana plus Jordan Montgomery, and the Brewers trade Hader. From your crystal ball, how do you see the National League Central playing out over the last month and a half? Um, I, I think the Brewers are not as good as they were a week ago. You know, I think Josh Hader, even though Hader's been really hasn't pitched well since the middle of July, uh, I think the Giants broke Josh Hader in San Francisco. Um, even last night for Hader, not a good night in San Diego. But I, I just look at Milwaukee. Milwaukee's really well coached. They're, that's a high quality baseball team. They play solid defense. They pitch well. 
Uh, they hit when they, they need to. You know, they, they run into homers. I believe they're second in baseball in home runs. So uh, Milwaukee's really tough, and I really like them. Um, as far as the Cardinals, I think they have an edge. Uh, I think that Hayer's got me. You don't have to worry about the back end. Uh, they're playing high-quality baseball. I think defensively, um, it's a push for either one of these teams. I think it comes down to the wire. Uh, the, the one aspect about the NL Central this year that I always point out, um, you know, being in that division and looking at the games, the Cubs are not good. The Reds are not good. The Pirates are not good. So you have to make up your, your – you've got to win those games. You've got to win those series when you match up, even though they'll, they'll throw some arms occasionally at you. Those are not high-quality teams to the level of the Cardinals and the Brewers. Spilly, great to hear your voice. I love your work on MLB Network Radio, loud outs every afternoon, and we thank you for taking some time this morning. Enjoy the rest of this series. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Take care. Ryan Spielborgs. He is the Rockies analyst on uh, television in Colorado. And by the way, Kerry, he, he mentioned that I said before the season, I thought the key for the Cardinals was going to be able to handle the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. Mm-hmm. And after the sweep of the Cubs last week, the Cardinals are 7-4 and four against both Chicago and Cincinnati. And they've dominated the Pirates to the tune of 8-2. and two. So right now they're 22-10 and 10 against those three teams. And that's what I figured they needed to do. Win two out of three against those teams. Do that and take your chances at the end of the season. The cherry on top is sweeping the Yankees. I didn't right. expect that. But <laughs> if they can handle the bad teams, beat mm-hmm. the bad teams, they're going to be fine. And here's a stat for you. Okay. When we talk about the offense, Cardinals have played 67 games where they've scored four or more runs. 51-16 and 16 in those 67. They have played 42 games where they've scored three or less. They're 9-33. and 33. So the, the key is scoring four or more. Four, if Clearly. you score four, last night aside, uh, right, you're, right. you're going to be in pretty you good up, shape. You gave up 12 before you could get your four. So. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Our thanks to Ryan Spielborgs. Carrie and I will uh, take you down the stretch towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Down the stretch of Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, Carrie Davis is in for Michelle. And last night, Kerry, word that Eli Drinkwitz has decided on Brady Cook as his starting quarterback. Cook has played in eight games in his career, five last year. Some of them were blowouts. He had his first start in the Armed Forces Bowl against Army. It was 27 of 34 for 238 and a score. Uh, he's also got the ability to run. He really helped Mizzou in a couple of games last year when Connor Bazelock was struggling and he came in and rallied the troops. Physically, he's the the fit, and we'll see if he can play quarterback. There's a lot of guys that can look the part and not do it, but this kid certainly did it at Chaminade at the high school level. I'm interested to see what he does at Missouri. Well, for me personally, it's always fun to see a St. Louis kid get an opportunity at the state school, to, to especially an SEC school as they are now, to have an opportunity to play. Um, you know, him being named, I, I want to say this early gives – a lot of confidence to him and allows him to go forward and understand that this is his job. You know, he's not looking over his shoulder, worrying about the competition and who may be, uh, if I, if I mess up, if I throw a bad pass, if I, if I 
incomplete a pass or in, get a pass intercepted, I don't have to be, worry about being pulled. So it gives you more confidence and more opportunities to to play the game. And the physical attributes aside are, are always, obviously, always great. But the mental aspect and the understanding and, and how much time and how much work you're willing to put into understanding, you know, not only yourself and your your team and your your concepts and your philosophy, but week in and week out what the opposing team is trying to do to you. So if you're able to if you're able to figure that out, you know, we, you, it doesn't mean you're going to win mm-hmm. every game, but if you're able to put yourself in a position to know what the defense is trying to do to attack you, you have a better opportunity to win those games. And hopefully for him, he's got a, a good athletic, relatively experienced offensive line coming back. He's got four or five capable receivers, including the number one recruit in the yep. country, he appears right now to be in a situation where he just needs to get the ball into the hands of playmakers. And Yeah, that, I mean, that's the simplest thing you can do. When you are when you have guys that can make plays, it doesn't have – I tell my quarterbacks all the time, you know, they want to have 80-yard touchdowns. I said, hey, you know if you throw a five-yard pass mm-hmm. and he runs 75, it still says 80-yard touchdown in the paper, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you get the ball to the guys that can make plays – they're able to do that, and you still get the credit for the long touchdown. It just means yeah. you didn't have to throw it as far. <laughs> right. See, yeah, you get a little Save bit more arm. juice yeah. in that arm. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, w- one of the fallouts of this, I'm guessing, and, and I don't have any information on this at all, but when you bring in a highly regarded freshman in Sam Horn, and Tyler Macon mm-hmm. is in there from East St. Louis. He's yep. a redshirt freshman, didn't play last year. And this early especially, Brady Cook is named the starter. And we do have the transfer portal. Right. I, I would be mildly surprised if Tyler Macon would stick around. Well, it, it's part of the business now in, in college football. I know when I was playing, that wasn't really an option. You could transfer, but you had to sit out if you went to the same level. And it was just a little – it was a lot tougher then. But I also think that staying – forces you to be – you have to compete. Mm-hmm. You have to fight for your opportunity to play. And, and you know, I, I've told told this many times. I, I know kids that transfer, oh, it's, go, it's too hard here, or it's too hard there. I'm going to leave. They're on their third or fourth school. You know, you're an offensive lineman, and you're – hey, guess what's hard? Blocking Aaron Donald on third and eight. <laughs> you think dealing with that coach is hard. It's hard as hell when that man knows it's a pass and you're a right guard and he's lined up in front. Good luck, sir. You might want to find some some grit about you at some point that you can stay and deal with what's in front of you because when he's in front of you, it ain't no transfer portal that's going to help you. And so I don't, it's part of yeah, it. By the way, I don't, I don't know what the legal aspects are to this would be. But if I'm the Power Five coaches, mm-hmm. I'm going to my ADs and I'm go- having them go to the presidents. I want to have them reinstate that having to take a year before you can transfer. Well, I think they. I think what they what needs to be done, there, there's a window that it can be done and, and it has to be a cap on how many times you can transfer because mm-hmm. it, it becomes a point where you're just kind of, it seems like some of the kids are just running from the competition or running because yeah. they don't like to what the coach is saying. Coaches are going to say some some things to you that you may not want to hear. It may be truth. It may be unfair. But it it is oft, often said to you in terms so that you can get, become a better person, better player, so that you can become a better team overall. And most coaches that I know want to win, so mm-hmm. they want kids in there that are going to be able to fight, go through go through all of the things that they put them through, and win games. And if you are uh, uh, an individual that tends to run from the competition. And, and 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 granted, each situation is different. Sometimes you can transfer like Joe Burrow, you're stuck behind a lot of players and you're gonna yeah. go and you go to LSU. 
and you become a national mm-hmm. champion and, and you take care of that business. But in most instances, it doesn't pan out like that. So you're still going to have to fight no matter where you go. I could, You and I could come up with a great plan for this. One of the things that the, the NCAA, not, they're, they're toothless now, but what college <laughs> sports should do is because players get run off all the time. Yep. For, start off with that being a one-way, four-year contract for this for education. Mm-hmm. So if the coach runs you off, you might not be on the football team or the basketball team, but you still have yes. your scholarship yep. and you can go to school. Yep, that and that part is extremely important because you still want to have school paid for. Yeah, if you went there for that purpose. Absolutely, yep. great job today, Kerry. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Thank you. And Appreciate we'll be, do it again tomorrow, right? Go Hawks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, great job by our producer engineer, the one and only Matthew Rocky. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.